0: Well, the field is down to 27 teams competing in the postseason in our area. We'll break down all of our teams and their matchups as they head into round one of the playoffs. And it is officially rivalry week on View from the West podcast. Mitch, our alma maters are battling in round one. Are you ready to get into it?
1: I'm ready to get into it. The goal now, Greg, for these teams is to
0: practice on Monday. Well, we'll be podcasting next Monday, so who are we going to be talking about? That is the question. Let's go. Talking Illinois high school football. If your goals are as high as you talk about, tonight's a night you go out and just take one more step. It's a view from the West. And it starts right now! Welcome into View from the West podcast. It is our playoff podcast preview episode mitch we broke down week nine on friday night and the instant reacts but now it's all moving forward we're talking playoff football could you believe that we've been through nine weeks of high school football already
1: yeah it's insane to think about i I tweeted that out uh before kickoff on friday that it, it you know seemed to go so quick but an eventful week nine there was a lot of things to shake out a lot of uh conference championships to to hand out uh, so it was nice to get some clarity there, crown some champions, and then obviously that kind of 24-hour, 48-hour 40, stretch where the fields were set, uh, all the qualifying teams were in, obviously the the great breakdown show that you were in on, on Saturday. So now we can see all A classes, we can see all the field, um, as, as we're, we always talk about, this is our favorite episode, one of our favorite episodes. So yeah, really excited to get talking about this tonight.
0: Well, Mitch, I'm not gonna sing it, but you might say it's the most wonderful time of the year. That of course, you know, alluding to the video that we just posted on Twitter this week, go check that out on our Twitter account. It is the most wonderful time of the year. and I, I, it's it's my new it's my new favorite tradition to do every year. Yeah, to edit some highlights to that song.
1: yeah, you continue to to do better than you did the previous year. Um, and, and so kudos to you and thank you to you for putting that together. so, uh, Seemed to be well-recepted, and uh, again, yeah, this it's just such a cheerful time, right? So playoff <laughs> football is here. Um, it, it's our Christmas, so yep. yeah, this is, this is a lot of fun.
0: I got to give a quick shout-out to Nick Bull, because back when I worked with him, he was a photographer alongside with me, loved shooting high school football with Dan Pearson and all of us at KWQC back in the day, and we had always joked about editing a video to that song, every time it came to this time of year and we Mm -hmm. never got around to doing it when we were working at the station, but now we finally, now I finally made it happen and it's great. It's, it's, like I said, it's my new favorite tradition. So in the next hour, hour and a half, whatever it takes, we're going to analyze the first round matchups from our local teams. We're going to talk a little bit about the brackets. We'll talk about teams to watch out for everything you need to know, heading into the IHSA playoffs and the eight man high school football playoffs. If you want to go back and hear the details from week nine and what played out in that last week of the regular season, of course you can find that on the instant reacts podcast, Mitch, myself, plus the WQAD crew. We give you our thoughts on week nine and Mitch, we've been getting, uh, we've been getting requests to keep the instant reacts going. So, you know, I, yeah, here, I was thinking that that was our, uh,
1: our final uh, hurrah for the season.
0: And um, I kind of thought it was too, but fan, the fans are asking if we're going to keep going. So if I, yeah, you're in, I, I'm putting you on the spot here. I'll,
1: well, I'll have to think about it uh, here. Um, you know, certainly we have some Friday night games this week. Yes, um, yes. That that pretty much comes to an end, though, um, after this week, I think. So I would think so. I don't – and, you know, and again, then you get into uh, – different times you know there's games at, at one there's games at two there's games at night so yeah we might have to think about how we could do that there's probably something we could do um, certainly as teams you know whittle down and, and certainly we hope that our, our pod of 27 teams you know stays intact for as long as possible um, they, they might be very short episodes
0: uh, moving along the next couple yeah. of weeks but yeah I, I bet there's something we could do. Well, we've also been going live on Twitter while we're recording the Instant Reacts yeah, podcast. That's, that's pretty yeah, that's
1: that's such an easy, nice little feature that we could always do. Yeah.
0: So maybe we'll have to figure out a way to kind of incorporate those every week. But either way, we will continue to bring you content every single week. If you want to find the instant reacts podcast, you can head to viewfromthewest.podbean.com or just go to anywhere that you listen to a podcast. If you listen week by week, I'm sure you know where to go and know where to find it. Yeah, That was last Friday night. And then Saturday, Mitch, as you mentioned, I took the trip north to the land of the Northwest Upstate Illini For the second year in a row, I was a panelist on the NUIC's football playoff preview show. It was awesome. It was it was a great night.
1: Yeah, it really it really was. Uh technical difficulties aside at the beginning. Um yeah, you guys did a great job. Um, it's it was such a nice show last year, and you guys exceeded expectations. Uh, this year, great presentation, great information. Um, you know, I, I think, and you have this in your notes. I think it is one of the most in-depth bracket preview shows. I, I didn't watch the other one, so I don't want to sp- say that they talked more or more in depth on the small classes, but they they talk about the bigger schools, and that's understandable. So. Um, it's a very prideful thing for us. That's why we do this show. Um, and, and why Kyle has always run in UIC football and why the panelists, uh, enjoy high school football as well. So yeah, a lot of pride. And I think it showed, uh, on Saturday night.
0: Yeah. I, I will give a ton of credit to Kyle Kantmeyer, Greg Pruis, Kyle Leach, Tyler Murdian, who are all on that show with me. I, all those guys, did their homework and and myself included. Yeah. I you know I I did some research too not just from our local area but we reached out to literally coaches media members from around the state from north from far south almost into Kentucky where you know mm-hmm. way down in southern Illinois all the way up to Chicagoland. We were talking right. to coaches everywhere, talking to media members, trying to get the information that we wanted to know because we want to be able to inform you. And Mitch kind of on a side tangent like The whole reason this podcast started was because every year I just, I would get frustrated when I would watch the big shows and they, they do a better job. I think over the years, I think that as their coverage increases, they've done a better job of featuring big schools, small schools, everybody in between edgy. Tim does a great job. Susie does a great job. They really do know the whole landscape. Mm -hmm. but Sometimes when you listen to their podcast, you do, they just, they don't have enough time to go into everything. So some of our smaller schools get shortchanged. And every year, I just, I just kept thinking like, man, I wish that we got more coverage, more features on our area teams. And that led to this podcast. And so yeah. this time of year is what I really love, is that we get to highlight, spotlight our teams that are going to the playoffs that have proven over the years to be good programs that make a good run. And we want to be there to highlight it.
1: Right. That's the thing is that this area has had such success um, in, in so many championships under their belt. Right. So, um, yeah, this was this was a fantastic idea. I'm thankful that you had it every day and asked me to, to tag along with you. So um, and the show, again, like you said, on Saturday was was evident of that of people who are like minded. So, um, yep. yeah, a great show where we're happy to be of service for for people that are looking for that sort of same coverage for small schools. And uh, we hope that they enjoy it. And, uh, you know, based on feedback that we heard, sounds like they did.
0: Yeah. So like we said, you can go find that show. It was on NUIC football's YouTube channel. We have a link on our Twitter account that we tweeted out, or you could go to YouTube and search NUIC football, and you'll find their most recent live episode. Kyle comes out with a weekly um, playoff preview round by round. He does every week during the regular season as well. He does great research and he really, really dives into the numbers and gets the stats and compiles them and just does a great job with tracking our teams, but then also teams from around the state that are going to end up competing against our teams in the postseason.
1: Yeah. And, and I, uh, I probably won't go back and uh, compare his, his playoff projections to, you know, his bracket projections as yeah. to what actually happened, but um, his, his knowledge of, of that and breaking down the classes and which teams are going to fall where, um really impressive such a, a nice tool to be able to utilize and reference so a uh, great job to to Kyle once again for for all of his hard work uh this year uh with putting in that show together
0: i will say i think he had eight man nailed i think he got everything in eight okay. man right and for the rest of 1 through 3a he was pretty darn close i saw him scratching some lines off and then rewriting some things once yeah. the brackets became official but he was he was pretty close yeah and even if he's in the ballpark i'm giving him huge credit because i'm
1: i'm relying on him so right i have no idea how you know i still don't know how and (laughs) you know we've talked to kyle how many times about this i still don't know how sometimes you know bubble teams are placed in one way or another like you know chicago richards beating chicago Egg science is what pushed Athens to two-way i have no idea how that works so
0: you know i'm glad he knows I will say, listening to the Seuss, listening to Steve Seussie's podcast, I can't recommend that enough. To Friday Night Drive, they do a great job yeah. of covering the entire state, and the Seuss has become the bracketologist almost. Oh, sure. You know, he's yep. the Joe Lenardi of IHSA football, right? right? And he did kind of break it down how that kind of worked because you know, once one team wins, they got to fit into 4A, and then somebody's going down and somebody's going up, right? Because there's mm-hmm. a deep team squeezed in the middle, so. It was interesting to hear him talk about it. And he's been doing a ton of live coverage. Like he went live for like six hours on Friday night, just yep. as results came in, it was kind of a fascinating watch because I'm kind of a nerd about the, you know, the right. post projections. So. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's the funny
1: thing too, right? Is there could always be a game of what if, and there are a number of combinations where you could have seen, Athens in 1A, you could have seen Sacred Heart Griffin in 3A, you could have seen all these different things. Um, and so, again, that's the science that I quite don't understand. And I'll probably <laughs> rely on other people's expertise for the rest of my life. So, uh, again, thankful for that. As uh, it, it is a science, it really is.
0: Yeah. But well, I was a communications major, not a math major. So here we are. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> nope. Well, Mitch, we've ramped up our coverage like we've talked about. We'll continue to provide content throughout the postseason all the way to championship games in Monmouth for the eight-man game and Champaign for the IHSA state championships. If you like what we're doing here, I really encourage you to support View from the West, support local high school athletics, support local high school football. You could go directly to paypal.me slash viewfromwestpod. Again, paypal.me slash viewfromwestpod. It's a direct link to donate to what we're doing here. And obviously Mitch, we're not trying to get rich on it, but also, you know, it's a labor of love for us, but you know, it, it is, it is, there is time put into it. So anyway, even if he feels the need to support us, we would encourage that. We would love that. Now, listen, I got an idea
1: and I'm okay. going to get into it. I'm going to get into it later, but I've got an idea that I think makes a lot of sense for all parties involved. I'll get into <laughs> it later. Okay. That is a tease ahead in the broadcast. Sure.
0: I love it. That's how we keep, that's how we keep the listeners engaged. <laughs> I love it. All right, well quickly, before we get into all of it, I do want to take a minute to give a quick shout out to all of the reporters, all of the local media from around the state that have helped us out with some information for this podcast. We'll start with Charlie Ellerbrock from The Web Times in Ottawa, Illinois, my hometown paper. He does great work covering not just Marquette, but Ottawa and surrounding teams Seneca and, uh, you know, several other teams in that area. He helped us out with some information. We also had Chris Dewar, the sports director from down in Quincy from KHQA. We had Matt Shuckman and Don O'Brien from Muddy River Sports in Quincy. Darren Kennard from section618.com. He's way down in Southern Illinois, down by Carbondale. Uh, I knew him when I went to college down there and I, I met him, got a hold of him every year, this time of year, get a hold of him. He always helps us out with information. Um, of course, our regulars, our usuals: Kevin Hieronymus from the Bureau County Republican, Terry Duckett, Cody Cutter, Jackson Storm, Drake Landsman, Matt Wheaton, uh, Brian Stocking. We can't forget to thank him. Kyle Campmeyer, of course, from NYC Football.
1: Let me one
0: Jackson Stone. We're no edits here. Jackson Stone, not. Oh. <laughs> you know what? You know why I said? Oh my gosh, this is embarrassing. So Jackson Storm is a character on the cars movie which my son is obsessed oh yeah
1: the, the Cars three yeah
0: yes my son is obsessed with it so that's yeah. so our, my apologies. our apologies to jackson stone
1: sorry <laughs> um i wanted to say that excluded in that list is uh matt randazzo and i don't want him to get upset if oh his that's name is yeah hot.
0: here we so, go we gotta yeah uh, he's gotta cater to let's, Dazzo.
1: let's shout out the entire uh uh score crew you know uh Corey, dazzle camille um yep. and it's into stocking so uh their their work on friday unparalleled um for our for our area so uh yeah kudos always to them as well
0: absolutely and to all the athletic directors and the variety of people that mitch you know runs into virtually on twitter thank you so much mitch is scouring twitter on a friday night into the people who send us scores tweet at yeah. us do all the stuff We love it. Thank you so much. Keep supporting us and you know, keep supporting your teams and spreading the you know the news when they win or even when they don't win, just to get the information out there. We do really appreciate it. So yep. All right, Mitch, here we go. It's time to get into it. Like I said off the top, 27 teams remaining. A couple of our teams play each other in several matchups from our area, but one matchup is LTC Showdown between Stark County and Rova Williamsfield. So that's our only conference matchup against each other we'll get into all that but i think we start in the western big six four teams in the postseason and of course we start with the champs the 10 seed in class 7a the moline maroons mitch tell me about their matchup this weekend round number one
1: yeah so they'll be hosting the 23 seed the decal barbs uh this will be a friday night game this friday 7 p.m at browning uh, the Barbs, they're out of the DuPage Valley Conference. They come in with a 6-3 and three record. Um, pretty good offense. A couple of dynamic players here. Um, Tate and Jamari Brown lead their offense. They've got a specialist named Ethan McCarter, who's had uh, at least four punt returns this year for, for scores. Um, overall, the Barbs are a pretty battle-tested team. You know, that's a tough conference. They played a tough schedule. They played five playoff teams. Um, but also, they've played three winless teams. So, um you know, the strength of schedule may not be uh, as high as the Bears take almost a pick six back. This is a great night for the Bears to so have to get sidetracked. But <laughs>
0: yeah, um, side note, yeah, the Bears are playing really well right now as we record. They're this. close, they're they're close to the
1: That's a segue. Um, <laughs> I, I will say in the in losses this year, teams found success on the ground and always if they were playing a team that featured a really good defense, they just seemed to struggle. And tell me that that doesn't fit a Moline narrative and and a path to victory for the Maroons.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, if you start looking at Moline's key to success, and we'll talk about it kind of on the flip side for Quincy down the road, but what Quincy struggled with was stopping the run, right? And that's what Moline did so well in their victory against them and so well all year long. Obviously, Riley Fuller leads the way over 1,200 yards, in western big six games alone so in conference play that's what he was doing he had you know huge efforts this year uh Jasper Ogburn 125 yards receiving in week nine so impressive output for a wide receiver for Moline that's got to be a good sign heading into the postseason but Mitch give me give me the the line what I love give me give some love for the offensive line here because that's the line play that has been so impressive
1: right Yeah, the big fellas up front from the Runes have been just unbelievable all year. You know, we've talked a lot about how good Riley Fuller is, Um, you know, Grant Sibley, Aubrey Threet, their whole offense, but maybe don't get as much love, or we don't give as much love for the O-line, but they paved the way this year, just under 3,000 yards of offense, 42 touchdowns, and Greg, this is the one, this is the big thing, haven't allowed a
0: sack. I know, I read that too, I couldn't believe it, yeah. Yeah. Have not allowed a sack in eight games. They had one game, the Allman game was canceled or a forfeit win. So they've only played eight games. So when you look at Moline's numbers, you've got to account for that too, right? I mean, it's impressive any way you look at it. Nine, eight, doesn't matter. There are impressive numbers for Moline.
1: Yeah. Um, And, you know, this is a team, again, back to back Western Big Six championships. Um, A a heartbreaking playoff loss last year, if you remember that, Greg, to Willowbrook. Um, A really tough game where they lost Matthew Bailey I think it was right before halftime and that yep. just changed the nature of the game so um I, I expect Moline to to be back here this year um I I like their chances here against the but obviously we don't we don't see that conference a lot we don't know much about them we can only go off of you know what we can see on paper so uh, but what we do know is we know what Moline can do because we've seen them all year and I, I like their chances here um and we'll be talking about the Maroons next week
0: yeah, I didn't realize that um, DeKalb was only two and seven a year ago. But either way, either way, when you look at DeKalb, that's a team that's gone up against Geneseo over the years. That's a team that's gone up against Sterling over the years. That, if you beat DeKalb, if you beat that DeKalb program, you've earned a win. That, that's that's a good win, no matter how you slice it. So, I yeah, I think that, um, you know, Moline... Going into this one, this is a good first-round matchup against a team in Decal that's been tested in their conference play. But man, Molina's answered the bell every outing this year. I mean, they they've looked good even in their even in their one loss, they've looked good. So, so they've been battle tested. You know, they play in the same conference as as Naperville North, Naperville
1: Central. So these you know traditional really good teams. So, but again, they also lost to both of those programs this year. So uh again great great season for the barbs at six and three coming off of two seven season last year but we know what Moline is going to bring to the table uh as mentioned what they do well is what the barbs have struggled with in their losses this year so once again i, I expect the Ruins to to have victory on friday night and uh, move into the second round
0: looking at the 7a bracket you yeah. start with the number one top seed mount carmel they're nine and oh Mm-hmm. They're nine and zero. They knocked off Loyola Academy this year, who we saw in our local area against United Township back in week two. So right. that's an impressive win for obviously an impressive program in Mount Carmel. The other thing that stuck out to me in this seven A bracket was you got Pekin sitting at nine and zero as the number three seed. They were mm-hmm. a team we saw back in was it week one against Rock Island, week one or week two? Yes. Yeah. I believe, so,
1: that was, I believe that was their week one. Yeah. I think that was their week one game.
0: Yep. So there's a couple teams to watch for now. It would take a few rounds if Quinn's or if Moline was going to meet up with Pekin, but um, mm-hmm. the potential second round matchup for the Maroons would be Yorkville eight and one at the seven seed or Libertyville at five and four at the 26 seed. Oh, you gotta love that one through 32 seating, huh, Mitch? Yeah, well, and, and we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to the Genocillo game. Obviously, yeah, we talk, will.
1: We will. Yeah, when, you're, when, you're talking <laughs> about, when you're talking about 7 8, it's a little bit different because you're talking about mainly Chicago schools. So, you know, travel isn't as, as big of an issue. But yeah, looking through here, if I'm remembering right, I think Chicago St. Rita played in the, chi- in the championship, championship game last year. They're sitting um, as a 12 seed, but 7 and 2. So I, I expect them to make a, another pretty good run. Um, but I, you know, Mount Carmel, the, the season that they've had the seasons that they always have, right. Um, beating Loyola last week, I think they were the number one team in eight, a, um, got billed as game of the year after the fact. So this was, this is a really, really good Mount Carmel team once again, and, and deservedly so the number one seed.
0: Yep. All right, Mitch, we move into class six a
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: We got Chatham Glenwood hosting Quincy. Battle of seven and two teams here. This will take place Friday at 7:30. And Mitch, you did some research and got some numbers on Chatham Glenwood. Give me the rundown on uh, on the Titans from Glenwood.
1: Yeah, the Titans of Glenwood out of the Central State 8, one of the, you know, state's premier conferences. Um, yep. We see a lot of teams this in in this playoffs coming out of that that conference. So, uh, a great season here for Glenwood. Really good offense. Um Jack Newton 1,600 yards passing and 21 TDs, only four interceptions. Um, they've got some names here, Greg, and I don't want to. Okay, uh, go.
0: Yeah, go for this one.
1: I don't, I don't know that they're listening. I'm going to say it's Glahashki Blaze as a running back for them. That sounds, yards, yep, that sounds good. 600, 600 yards and 10 TDs and only five games of action. Uh, Tyson Randall, his highlights are really, really good from what I've seen. He's got 400 yards receiving and three touchdowns. Miles Stapleton, another guy. 400 yards, eight touchdowns. So um, a really, really dynamic offense. They, they can throw the ball. They can run the ball if they want to. I will say this um, because they, they did play Sagerhart Griffin, who is the, the favorite in 4A. Um, the Cyclones threw all over Glenwood. And what, like we just talked about with Bolleen, that kind of fits right into the wheelhouse for Quincy. Um, I, yeah. I wrote, I wrote in the notes here that this feels very similar to Quincy Rock Island. Obviously, uh, a classic matchup last week where Quincy came back from 28 down. I I feel like Glenwood has a QB who can throw. They've got some skill players uh, at running back, um, and that's Rock Island to a T. So, um, again, just kind of going off of that, that note where Sacred Heart Griffin was able to throw all over the field can Braden Little do the same? That that would be my key to how the Blue Devils can win.
0: Yeah, I mean, you start looking at what Quincy can do, and they really showed that in the win against Rock Island, right? I mean, backs against the wall, and they need to start making plays. And Rock Island's playing for their playoff lives at the time. And the Blue Devils, a young Blue Devil team, which we've talked about a lot this year, but that game really impressed me because they didn't flinch. The Blue Devils continued to battle and Braden Little, a quarterback over 1500 yards, 14 touchdowns in Western big six play. He's thrown for 254 yards per game. So, I think, yeah, I think that number might be
1: outdated. I think that was going into the Rock Island game. And yeah, he threw for 300. So, uh, you know, add that up to 1800 yards just in Western big six games.
0: Yeah. And he's thrown to Gregory Quince, a name we've talked about a lot. He's over 500 yards with seven touchdowns, Tykel hammers has four over 400 yards, four touchdowns and Brian Douglas continues to get the job done on the ground as well. 688 yards, nine touchdowns. I are those numbers for conference play. I'm guessing.
1: I believe, yeah, I believe those are all from, uh, from the Twitter handle Western big six stats. So yep. I believe, again, I think those are a little outdated, just not including the week nine games, but yeah, only Western big six games, And the name that we didn't even mention there, um, was was jarius rice um who yeah had, who had five touchdowns in week nine he's had a really really good season only a sophomore so like you said really really young team showed a lot of poise coming back from 28 down so i think that that's going to be a pretty big element to this game right is it going to be too much you know is the stage going to be too big for a young team coming, yeah, off, of the game, coming quickly, off the game coming off? Like would. Island, i would say no yeah right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That would be and, that would be my concern had that game not just happened. You're right. And I was just about Sorry, I rudely tried to cut you off, okay. but I would I would counter with and I said it the other night on the on the podcast or on the show the other night, um sometimes I feel like these young teams that are a little bit younger that have success that they, they play with nothing to lose, right? Mm-hmm. Like they don't understand necessarily the gravity of This is my last high school game. The pressure's on because I want to perform right now. Sometimes when you're, you know, sophomore, junior, you don't feel that same pressure. You just go out and you want to play a really good football game. Mm -hmm. And this Quincy team has continued to do that. Yeah, they impressed me. Mitch, we talked a lot about uh, Glenwood's offense. Can we mention Brock Rogers on defense? 81 tackles this year, 17 of them for losses. So yeah. and a pair of fumble recoveries to go with it. So yeah, so that's, that's going to be to watch on defense,
1: right? Like we talked about in the Moline game can can the line hold up? Can they keep Braden Little clean? Give him time to pass, open up holes for for Douglas or for Rice, um, and keep him at bay. Because yeah, like you said, the stats 81 tackles. You know, you see that right? It it, it, it certainly jumps out to you. Yeah. But the 17 tackles for loss is what really yeah. like makes that impressive. So control him, control the line, you're gonna have a good night.
0: Yep. Well, thank you to Matt Shuckman from Muddy River Sports. He he hooked us up with some uh, info on Chatham Glenwood, and you know he had some of the same insights that we kind of talked about here. You know he he had brought up a lot of the um, athletes in the secondary, and being that Glenwood likes to throw the ball, you know does that work in in Quincy's favor? So I think that's a lot of and, what we've discussed.
1: Yeah. Uh, and, and again, I think in the rock Island game where you saw rice have a really nice uh, game, if the passing isn't working or just to give the offense, another look, right. Yep. We always talk about brain little and this passing attack. And then there's these running backs. Hey, you know, don't forget about us. So um, it just gives the blue devils another their So if, if the fast game isn't working against Glenwood, can they go to the ground? Vice versa. If the ground game can't get going, how much success can they have through the air? So really intrigued by this one. I do think Glenwood is a good team, but I've been impressed with Quincy all year.
0: Yeah. And I think that, you know, on the defensive side, like um, like we kind of talked about a little bit here, I think that where Quincy struggled was to stop people running the ball defensively.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: But if if that's not Glenwood's first go-to, maybe it does help them out a little bit that they you know, they can slow a team down that wants to pass the ball. So, you know, maybe that all leads into their favor. And, you know, we could see a Quincy Blue Devil win here for a, for a young squad getting a playoff win would certainly be a momentum builder moving on, obviously, you know, but down the road for next year and, you know, for this program in general, so Mitch, let's take a look around. Oh, go ahead.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, if they, if they do win um, they're they're probably looking at a, at a matchup with, the number one seed in the south, Lamont, who is nine and o um good team as always down there yeah the team that I, I the team that I've been impressed with um I, 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 well i say this let me let me rephrase this I still think the favorite in six a is going to be east St Louis,
0: absolutely they're sitting down at
1: the bottom of the bracket that's six seed yep, right um the team that I've been impressed with is chicago Simeon um uh, traditional basketball powerhouse but yeah. I, i've really I've really seen them have impressive wins this year so uh, look look for them to make a little bit of a of a run wakanda's the number 1 seed in the north bracket a couple teams that we've seen gray's Lake central um, who played against geneseo earlier this year they came in at a 12 seed at 6 yep. and 3 on the year so um yeah a lot, a lot of good names here but again i think i think when we talk about maybe a north south matchup I'm probably looking at boy now. Now I'm on the spot, and I, I put myself in a hole. You put yourself on the spot. I'll pay up because I said because I said the uh, no. I don't know. I think it'll be East St. Louis come out of the South because I think that they're just so, yeah, they're oh so yeah. good, so talented. They were yep. they were there last year um, and lost in that really classic of a state championship game last year. From Unbelievable. The north. One of the
0: best games I've ever seen, yeah. I think.
1: Yeah. From from the north, give me Crystal Lake Prairie Ridge.
0: Yep. That's the two, that's the, a the, good the, pick. Two, the
1: two the two seed in the north.
0: Yep, that's a good pick. Um Mitch, what are your thoughts on Chicago Simeon calling themselves the Blue Machine? They're nine and zero, So they, you know, but that's kind of Newman, right? It's it's certainly Newman. Um, yeah. I don't know if they have the same sort of sideline
1: chance, or I would imagine Newman still does that. I, I don't know. I haven't been
0: on. Oh, the Mitch, do um, they still do it? Are uh, you kidding me? I have so much video, and all you hear is that. Yeah, we okay. yeah. are. Good, good, good to know that, that still is alive. lot. Um, you, you don't seem very interested in that. The fact that uh,
1: it's, they... it's a podcast, it's a podcast. No one can see my face. Um, yeah, like like we said, it. it it's such a a basketball tradition school, right? So they can call themselves whatever they like, I suppose. So we'll see if uh, we'll see if they have the same success Newman has had in, in the state playoffs. Right.
0: That's true. Well, we're talking about Newman, but we're going to pivot to class five a, and that's the Sterling golden warriors. They're the five C at seven and two hosting Arlington Heights, St. Viator at five and four. That will game will be Saturday 1. PM in Sterling. So St. Viator is at five and four, like I said, from the East Suburban Catholic Conference, the Lions. Mitch, they got a they got a quarterback with a familiar name. Actually, yeah. um, it's fitting because we just watched the Bears win on Monday night. So
1: yeah, yeah, we just watched his brother uh have a couple of catches tonight. Obviously, I watched him a lot as a Notre Dame fan. So yeah, Cooper Comet is the is the quarterback of the Lions, he's a sophomore there. Uh, and, and the younger brother of the Notre Dame grad and Chicago Bears tight end, Cole Komet. So, uh, and, and obviously, Cole Komet is an alum of, of Vider as well. Yep. So, um, Vider kind of snuck in here. They, they were a selection Saturday pick um, okay. because they won during the day. A bit of an interesting note they beat St. Patrick, who beat Sterling last year in the playoffs. But, yeah. They beat St. Patrick on Saturday on a last second field goal to get into the playoffs. So that's, you know, there's, there's not much better uh, ways to secure a playoff spot than to do it on the final day in the final second. So uh, a really cool kind of note for, for the Lions there. I'm going to be honest, have not been impressed with them. Um, lost every team with a winning record this year. And again, you, you were sitting at four and four and kind of snuck in against another four and four team to get in the playoffs. So um I've just been so impressed with Sterling this year, right? They've played so well. Um, They're such a dynamic team on both sides of the ball. I expect Sterling to win this pretty handily, if if I'm just – if I'm being honest with you. Um, uh, Again, just not being impressed with with Veyer this year, but being ultimately really, really impressed with Sterling's ground game and that cycling defense of theirs.
0: Yeah. Yep. Um, so I saw Sterling last week against United Township wrap up their regular season. I was there for the first half before I took off and went to Morrison, Erie, Proffittstown. And, uh, you know, they got they got smacked in the mouth right away, opening kickoff. Uh, United Township elected to receive, and Corey Randall took the opening yes. kickoff, ran it back 90, 90 yards, whatever it was, um, right away. And we, we've talked about Corey Randall. He's a weapon yeah. for United Township. Immediately, it took, I think, two plays and Mm -hmm. Kale Ryan got bounced out to the outside, raced down the sideline. No one's going to catch him. Impressive performance all the way around by Kale Ryan in this one. This is a kid that, you know, we've been watching going back to when he was a sophomore before he Mm -hmm. got hurt, right? In that big Mm -hmm. game in the spring season against Moline. We've been impressed with him. Good to see him having this type of performance and having this type of, you know, moment heading into the postseason i think they're riding the momentum but i think that a coach slemmer led team is always focused on the next game right so i i think this sterling team is focused right now on this game because they know they know how quickly you can get bounced out of the playoffs you look a year ago and Mm -hmm. they posted a home game against st patrick and we're out you know so yeah
1: um, and, and again, you know, that, that St. Patrick team was was pretty, pretty good, um, despite their record. I, I don't see that being the, the case this year with Vider. Um, you're talking about Kale Ryan. I think he had 179 yards at half. And then at he ended with, yep. and then ended with, I think, 350 all-purpose yards and five touchdowns. So, yeah, um, a, a great start, great momentum to, to carry you into the playoffs. But, you know, they've been playing that way all, all year. Obviously a couple blemishes, a heartbreaking loss to Moline, but um, those, those will harden you this time of year. Right. So yeah. Looking forward to seeing, to seeing Sterling at home on Saturday, great environment for a playoff game. Going to be a lot of fun. I, I, again, I do think they will win and we'll be talking about them next week.
0: I don't want to like, you know, I know we're broadcasting this. I don't know who's going to listen from, you know, St. Viator. I don't want to give away any secrets, but you know, going, talking to John Schlemmer and just kind of hearing what he said in different interviews, they want to try to utilize Kale Ryan and JP Schilling on the field at the same time. So it's just interesting to see, obviously both are athletes and you know, they can both run, they can both pass. How do you utilize both of them on the field at the same time? Does one split out. Do you make, you know, go that slot receiver type. I'm interested to see come playoff time. If they start putting stuff into the playbook, that hasn't been seen yet.
1: Yeah. It's a good problem to have. Right. Um, yeah, oh, absolutely. That's just, that's yeah. An it's an embarrassment of riches um, with, with the weapons that they have there in Sterling. So yeah, this is the time to do it. Right. You, you can't hold anything back. Um, these teams are going to get taped from you from all year. So what better time than to show something that you've never shown before. Maybe it's something you've been practicing since the summer, you know, and just had in your back pocket. So um yeah, I would, I would be, very interested to see what that looks like and how they would be able to utilize all their players uh, on the field at one time. That'd be cool. Yep.
0: Well, let's look at the 5A bracket a little bit, especially up on this. I mean, not northern half. It's divided up, or yeah, it is. Yeah, northern yeah, half. Days, for, yep. Yep, yep, northern half for the 5A bracket. I, I'm I'm thinking optimistically, right, Mitch? I'm thinking long term that we'll right. eventually just, get to we're gonna, we're, 32. We're
1: speaking it into existence, just <laughs> subconscious. so subconsciously we're speaking into existence.
0: Absolutely. I'm fully on board with that. Well, looking at, so like we've said, Sterling and St. Viator at five and 12 matchup, the winner of this game would get Chicago good or Chicago noble Pritzker and Chicago good is eight and one, the four seed or 13 is the noble Pritzker school at five and four. Mm -hmm. Just looking at names alone. And I know that's very surface level. Man, I like the second round matchup if Sterling can survive and if Sterling can get by this one.
1: Yeah, the Chicago public schools are so tough to judge, right? Um yep. it's it's tough to judge the different conferences that they play and the different opponents that they play. Um, you could get a really good eight and one uh Chicago good team, and they might not be good at all. Not to <laughs> say <laughs> well, puns. That's I'm a at, Mitch, I'm that's a at bad pun. Team.
0: I'm looking at That's a team bad team. good pun.
1: Right. <laughs> I'm looking at another team called the Chicago Bulls, so like I just don't know what to expect here. So, um, yeah, we certainly we could be talking about Sterling for for a couple of weeks here if things play out right. Um, Sycamore, the number one team here in the North. Okay, they so can... that's
0: what I was going to get to. That's a okay. former that's a former conference rival right. of of Sterling. Right, but that would be a huge rematch because I guarantee you there are a lot of people in Sterling that don't like Sycamore because yeah. they've played each other over the years and Sycamore has gotten the better. And I was there firsthand. I, I saw one of those games when Sterling yeah. was going in, riding a lot of momentum and a Sycamore team beat him. So. Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: Um, looking still in the North, you've got Oak Park Fenwick, who is the defending champion. Um, Good uniforms. Great uniforms. I, I were that, yeah, they were in five because they became the key. So um yeah, not sure if, if if the five and four is indicative of how good they are. They got by Morgan Park. Um, speaking of Kankakee, they are the sixth seed in the South. I like them. They are they are very, very good team. They would have to play Peoria potentially in the second round. That'd
0: be a heck of a matchup.
1: That would be a real two really, really good offenses there. So um you see a traditional team like Morris sitting there playing LaSalle, Peru in the 4-13 game. So um a Dunlop, a team that played a couple of Western big six schools this year. So yeah, this is, I don't know that there's a name that stands out again. You see a lot of five and four, six and three teams that I think are better than what that record would indicate, Um, you know, better than maybe an eight and one or nine and O team. So um, yeah, I think, I think the path is there for strong to win not only Saturday, but again, like you said, maybe even a second round and potentially see Sycamore in the quarterfinals.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I think the path is there. There's potential there. Um, I do got to give a quick shout out to, uh, like you said, Morris and LaSalle, Peru, but then also Ottawa High School. They're they're in there at yep. a 5-4, 16 seed. They get in. I mean, it, it's been tough going for Ottawa over the years. They haven't always mm-hmm. had the best program, um, you know, for my hometown. So good to see Ottawa back in the playoffs there at a 5-4 and four record. All right, Mitch, are we dropping, going down to 4A?
1: Yeah. Um... Yeah, I got some good, good teams here in 4A to talk about.
0: Yep, absolutely. We'll start 4A. Number one seed, 9-0, Carterville, goes up against the 16 seed, Geneseo, at 5-4. and 4. That's Saturday at 1 p.m. Mitch, we're talking the south bracket for one of our teams. How about that?
1: Yeah, real south.
0: Real yeah, south. Yeah, real, real south.
1: The uh, the lions from Carterville, like you said, the number one seed, nine and zero from the Southern Illinois River to River Conference, um, really experienced team, strong on both on both sides of the ball. Um, they really only had one close game the last seven weeks. They've outscored opponents three hundred and sixteen to one hundred and one. So, um, again, a really a really good team. Obviously, at nine and zero, really good two really good players in offense. Bryce Smith, just shy of thirteen hundred yards on the season, fifteen hundred touchdowns uh the the one guy that i did see on film that i really really liked uh is andrew hellriegel he's a dual threat qb 1200 yards 17 touchdowns only two interceptions on the year so they take care of the ball um and again that would be something that geneseo might have to exploit if they want to have a, a chance to win here um and, and greg we teased this earlier um because one thing that's kind of going against Geneseo and this would be an example of a concern with doing one through 32 seating for the rest of the classes is that this is a five hour trip for Geneseo. This Absolutely. is a hall. Yeah. Um, Cause this is down in your old neck of the woods, isn't it?
0: Yeah. So Carterville is only about 15 minutes, 10 minutes outside of Carbondale. So okay. they're right next to each other. Um, and the TV station right down there is, is based in Carterville. Um, so yeah, that. Unbelievable to me, like we've heard all year about how we, you know, and I shouldn't say that everybody's been saying it. I think there's a lot of people in support of one through 32, but there are the people who speak out and say, No, we can't do this, it's too much travel. But here we are, right? We have Geneseo going on a five hour trip to Carterville, Geneseo's in the south bracket going to Carterville. So, my point is. The trip is happening anyway. So let's yes. just. I, I would
1: think that's rare, but yes, I get, I get what you're saying. Um, but I think it's rare.
0: Yeah, but we'll get into it a little more down the road. You want right. to talk about travel, eight man football, because of out of necessity, they're traveling to their non-conference games every week. There's a team going <laughs> somewhere. Just past week, Milledgeville hosted St. Thomas More out of Champaign. That's basically traveling the length of the state east to west. Uh, Yeah. Pretty close. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. Essentially pretty close. So my point is, 8-Man's been doing it all year long out of necessity. We think that's one of the most exciting football, you know, classes that we've covered because of the amount of, you know, intriguing games. So my point is like, I don't, if these, I, I haven't talked to Polo or Milledgeville. I haven't asked them about their budgets or their numbers or what right. it's costing gas prices, but they're doing it. it. It's being done in the regular season at the eight man level. I think there's other 11 man teams that have had to travel on the rare occasion this year because of non-conference games. Now this, in the foray to, you know, and I'm sure this isn't the only matchup. This is probably the longest trip. I'd be surprised if there was one that was longer because it's right. almost impossible, but it's happening anyway. So let's right. kind of, I don't know, let's face reality of what we're looking at here. We're already doing it. I don't know. I guess maybe it's a rare exception. Geneseo doesn't sure. often go South. Right. There was a chance that Sterling was going to go South. They didn't, but I don't know. It just kind of sticks in my craw that I'm going to hear that the people that say we can't do one through 32 when it's like, here we are with this matchup. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Yeah. I hear you saying. Anyway. Um, back,
1: back to, you know, this game. Um, I think the Leafs are really going to have to play the best game they've played all year. Really. Um, this, this is a Carterville team that has scored 40 points plus in six of their last seven games. A really, really good team defensively. Only one opponent all year broke twenty points. So, um, you know, AJ Weller, Jaron Neal, um, when zero the whole, the whole, the whole Geneseo team is really going to have to play at the highest level they've played all year to have a shot here. Not saying it can't happen. Crazy things happen. Crazy things happen when you play teams from that far south, right? Yep. What's the competition like? Not saying it's impossible, but I, I also think Carterville is a very good team. And uh, I think their Geneseo is going to have their hands full.
0: Here's what I think is important to point out. Geneseo only played one team all year that was smaller than them enrollment-wise, and that was Alliman. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, Carterville only played two teams that were bigger than them. And one <laughs> of the teams was Murfreesboro, who is only about – 50-ish, not even 50-ish students. So it's very close. Okay. okay. So I think that Geneseo has been battle tested in the big six. That's why sure. they joined oh, the sure. Western Big Six. Yeah. You yeah. know, Geneseo joined the big six and they struggled the last few years, but now they're to that point where here's where it may pay dividends, right? They've been in this tough conference. They've played, they played a playoff team from 5A, 6A, and 7A.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So you yep. start looking that's at true. that, yeah, that's true. an impressive resume. Now, they didn't win all those games, but I'm saying they've been battle-tested. So, yeah. I think that's something to watch out for. You know, A.J. Weller, Jaden Wineser, Jaron Neal, uh, you know, what Geneseo does on offense now, I, I think that if you could play your game, if you could, you know, if you could utilize your athletes, I think there's a chance you could pull off an upset here for sure.
1: Yeah, here's what I like the thought of of Greg. That Geneseo white uniform on a Saturday afternoon, right? Yeah. It's gonna look, yes. It's gonna, it's gonna, be, it's gonna be great to see the Maple Leafs back in playoff football. Um, from a uniform standpoint, this is gonna look really good. Uh, Carderville is a traditional, even though when they're in Southern Illinois country, they uh, are Illini blue and orange, um, same color scheme. Their their helmet, you know, that old school Illinois block lettering, okay. with, yep. the, with the with the line underneath it. Um, they, they use that, but it says lions. So it's kind of a cool helmet. So this will look really good on the field. No doubt about it. But again, we're, we're, we're thrilled that Geneseo is back in the playoffs, bit of a tough draw, both with the seed and with the travel. But as you mentioned, crazier things have happened.
0: Yeah. Uh, Carterville is a cool place to see a game. When I was down there covering, covering games in college, went to several games in Carterville. It's, it's one of those facilities that, you know, you know, it's, you know they love what they're doing there. It's a great facility. They love their football down there. And so, it. yeah, it, it'll be a fun atmosphere with the Geneseo crowd that I'm sure will travel back oh, yeah. to a playoff game. First playoff game since 2017. So, yeah. for Geneseo, they're excited to be back. And uh, I hope they travel well, I should say. Oh, but, yeah, yeah Carterville will be a fun environment.
1: Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, breaking away from this game, did you see this, the stadium making the rounds? on Twitter. I don't know what school it is where it's just
0: two like sets of
1: bleachers that go straight
0: up a hill. It's, it's Mount Carmel way down in Southern Illinois. So not the, not the Chicago Mount Carmel, right. But the downstate Mount Carmel. Um, Yes. It's, it's closer. It's Southern Illinois, but it's closer to St. Louis. So when I was down living in Southern Illinois, I was never in that area in that part of the state. Exactly. But it looks amazing. Kyle Kantmeyer has it on his bucket list. Talked yeah. about it a lot. Yeah. I think it's, it's called the snake pit.
1: Okay. Yeah. If no one knows
0: what
1: we're talking about, it, it's like their, their, their stadium or their field sits in like a valley. Yep. And the stands, there are just, it, I believe it's all concrete. And it, it looks like a lot of people can fit there, but they're narrow, but really yeah. tall. So, um, and that's all of the seating that they have. So whether people are sitting on the hill or sitting um, all up the way up top, I've never seen anything like that before. So, uh, yeah, Mount Carmel. If you search Mount Carmel football field, it'd probably be the first thing that popped up. So, yeah, that was I'd never seen that before. That was cool.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a little. It looks a little bit like home and away. Maybe sit on the same side, reminiscent yeah, to Morrison so. to your, you know, to your stopping yeah, grounds.
1: I, I would not want to sit in the front row there because that walk back, I. <laughs> I'd probably just try and take a nap and then finish whenever I
0: woke up. (laughs) There you go. All right. We'll keep moving down in class 4A. We have another 9-0 versus 5-4 matchup. Number two seed in 4A. There was a chance they were going to go 3A. Sacred Heart Griffin ends up in 4A. They go up against one of our maybe surprise playoff teams, a Mm. team that certainly didn't have the record last year going into this year looking like they'd make the playoffs hall ends up at five and four and Mitch this game will be Friday at 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. in Springfield Sacred Heart Griffin but Mitch we got to talk about the efforts of Mac Resetich what yeah what a job by him to to lead the way for this Red Devil program a proud Red Devil program they have a history of winning state championships it's been yeah. a long time ago but to get them back here in the playoffs after a little bit of a downturn is yep. huge it's great
1: yeah 1 and 8 last season um obviously they got a, a new not a not a new coach they they brought an old coach back
0: yep um
1: you know in uh sorry his name is is escaping me at Tyven. the moment think, right yes thank you yep. um so yeah a, a wonderful turnaround for hall and obviously led by magresedic who has just been unbelievable all year. Um, in week nine, he eclipsed 2000 years or 2000 years, 2000 yards. <laughs> feels, uh,
0: feels like he's been playing that long. Yeah, right. at all,
1: but. yeah. Yeah. 2000 yards in the season. I couldn't even begin to count how many touchdowns I bet it's close to 30. Um, and that's, that's running, that's passing, that's receiving, that's punt returns. That's kick returns. He, he is Mr. Do it everything. Um, so much in fact, and we'll talk about Sacred Heart Griffin in a second um legendary coach ken leonard i was just watching a video prior to us doing this um is was talking about how he thinks that macrosetti is quote the real deal and quote one of the best players they've faced all year and that is certainly high praise that's I awesome don't think, i don't think he's blowing smoke either because um he's just been that special of a player this year so um he's going to have all the focus of the Cyclones on them for good or on him for good reason. Um, but yeah, he, to, to get the attention of a coach like that um, is it, certainly something special. So uh, uh, kudos to Mac setage on, on a great season and uh, hopefully a great game here on, uh, on Friday
0: night. Yeah. Well, let's go through, let's run down some of the players to watch for the Cyclones. Yeah. And Mitch, there's, there's a lot of them. And I wrote, I wrote all of them
1: on the (laughs) players to watch.
0: I know there's a lot of them and a lot of names that we learned a year ago, Mitch, both you and I were watching the live stream of sacred heart and Rochester in the state semifinals a year ago, (laughs) a great game. Yeah. Sacred heart Griffin quarterback, Ty lot for a first team all state last year, running back Jackson, Richard Jackson, Maddox Morris at wide receiver because Singleton an air force commit. He made plays last year in that game. I remember hearing mm-hmm. his name called out and defensive lineman, Kellen Wilson, a sophomore, but already getting division one looks. He's invited to the army all American game. So just really impressive resume. No surprise there when in, in terms of sacred heart Griffin.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, this will be their 20th consecutive playoff appearance. Yeah. Um, they've got five titles. They've got five runner-ups. Again, I, I believe that's all under Ken Leonard. Legendary coach Ken Leonard says this is the best team he's ever had. And that is that's in- crazy, incredibly high praise. Um, you know, they made it to the state championship game last year and lost to Joliet Catholic. Um, I think, as you mentioned, those names were all on that team last year. So this is a really experienced team. And so if if Coach Leonard is going to go out, he's going to have his best team with him in his mind. So they average 56 points per game. They've only allowed 79 all season. So um, I I wrote in here, it's like Princeton, but on steroids, um, because that's what it feels like. It's just a much faster, stronger team than we've covered all year. So, um, uh, again, not to put Hall down. Much, but it's just it's how good Sacred Heart always is, and certainly how good they are this year.
0: Yep. Well, you know, you gotta ho- you gotta go into a game like this and know that you know, rely on what has gotten you there. Mac Rusetich, obviously, a big piece of it, but you know, utilize, try to draw up any any game plan you can that you think is that perfect game plan. Go in there, play as hard as you can, and see what happens. This, yeah. this would obviously be a monumental upset, yeah. but Hey, go in, play your heart out, you know, do everything you can leave it all in the field, all the cliches, but best of luck to spring Valley hall in this one. Either way, Mitch spring Valley hall is a state already, champion. Winners.
1: already winners.
0: Yes. Give us the rundown on that.
1: So here, here's the good news for hall. Um, it was announced, I think, I thought that they were, and maybe they did. I thought that they were supposed to announce it on Saturday, but they, they tweeted it out tonight, so maybe they delayed it. I don't know. But uh, Hall High School has won the IHSA State Championship for Best Concession Stand Pork Chop. Uh, the Savory
0: 16, right? They the, win it? The winners
1: of the Savory 16. Um, we had a couple of, of teams in the uh, in the running for this. Um, obviously we're big advocates for anything related to a, a concession stand pork chop. So absolutely um b- big thanks to the IHSA and to the Illinois Pork Producers Association for for putting this on. Um and Greg, I teased this earlier, right? Yeah. Um when we were talking about sponsors and, and talking about supporting the podcast. As we as we say on the show, not a sponsor, but could be. it's yes, exactly. I can't think. Now, Arthur's is like my
0: holy grail, right? Okay. <laughs> okay. Arthur's, if you're listening, that's high praise, right? Yeah. You're yeah. you're our Arthur's, top dog. Here we go. Yeah,
1: Arthur, Arthur's not a sponsor, but could be. But also that's kind of regional, right? Or not regional, but kind of more specific where it's like Sterling and Rock Island. Right? Yeah. Yep. This is this is a podcast that covers Illinois, small school, small community, farm fresh football teams, right? Absolutely. What better? Combination of things could you think of than a podcast that covers that and the Illinois Pork Producers Association, right? That is a matchup made in heaven if I've ever heard of one. Every single team that we cover deals with Illinois pork in some way or fashion, right? I I get so excited thinking about it, right? <laughs> we could do so much with that. We we could do uh, you know uh, offensive line of the year. They could just yes. they could just you know, uh sponsor the show, whatever it is. But the marriage of this podcast uh, in small school Illinois football and the Illinois Pork Producers Association is something I'm gonna chase until they tell me no or until <laughs> they tell me yes.
0: Yeah, there you go. Well, I believe like Kyle Campmeyer and the NUIC football, they already joke about like the farm football that comes out of this part of the state, right? Yeah, that's exactly what you're talking about,
1: right? See how I you know I took marketing in college. Um, how, how could, I, I I don't see how this could go wrong in in any shape or fashion. So again, if Illinois pork is listening, if not, I'm going to tag you on Twitter. Doesn't matter. (laughs) I want this to happen. It makes sense. I will sell it to my best ability again until they tell me no, or hopefully until they tell us yes.
0: Yes. I love it. All right, Mitch. Well, let's look around the rest of the class for a bracket. A team we've talked about a lot over the years, Richmond Burton sits at the number one seed in the North at 9-0. and But you also have Julia Catholic at the five seed at 7-2. Mm-hmm. and two. Um, What else do we got? Oh, interesting local matchup, uh, fairly local. Rochelle and Dixon, the seven yeah. and the 10 seed. So uh, old NUIC rivals, or not NUIC, NCIC, NCIC. rivals. NCIC,
1: yeah. That's right. There you
0: go. What else you see, Mitch, down the way here?
1: um yeah you mentioned it in, in the north bracket there's a lot of good teams um like you said richmond burton um providence catholic is up there joliet catholic is up there um wheaton st francis so yeah the north is north is pretty loaded south Carterville, as we talked about playing geneseo um a, a good matchup in the second round whoever it is with with coal city and wood in the wood river east alton you've got rochester sitting there and that's one thing that Talking about Sacred Heart Griffin, that's really interesting, too, where they played last year in the semifinals. They played this year in the regular season. I think they always play in the regular season. I think they're in the same conference.
0: Yep. Um,
1: and then played in the semifinals last year. That's the Leonard Bowl. And that yeah. is Ken Leonard against, I don't know his son's name. Brian. It. It's Jim Brian. Brian. Brian Leonard. Okay. Um, who coaches at Rochester. So a father-son thing that happens annually, sometimes twice in the same season. Um, could happen again, and this would be for the final time. So if if both teams uh, win their first three games, they would meet in the semifinals. So that'd be a really really cool storyline there. But there's good teams in the South too. Um, you are looking at Macomb at the three seed at nine um, and zero. That's
0: a really interesting matchup. Macomb at nine and zero, and Quincy yeah. Notre Dame at five and four. That that one stands out. Macomb's had a great season, one of their better yeah. seasons in a long time. Yeah, that's an interesting one.
1: I, I I was doing some notes on Macomb uh, for the the show. I think I read that Macomb has never won more than ten games in a season. So maybe, um, yeah, yeah. This and, and again, one of those one of those teams that might not play the best competition. So Quincy Notre Dame could be sitting there uh, with an opportunity. You know, crazier, again, crazier things have always happened. So um, if I had to guess, I'm I'm, I'm taking Sacred Heart Griffin to win the whole thing would be cool to see Rochester in the semis would be a cool um, state final rematch with Joliet Catholic. So um, yeah, the, this, this four, A bracket is full of uh, all the familiar names, heavy hitters in this one.
0: Well, and I was also looking at when you look through the bracket, I believe that, yeah, Sterling, the team Sterling played Wheaton St. Francis. They lost to them 35, 27 in a mm. really good game. They sit there as the number three seed at eight and one So, certainly looking back on it, a game that Quincy or that Sterling was in till the very end, and now turns out to be a very quality opponent at eight and one, that number three seed on the north side of the bracket. They play Marengo at five and four as the 14 seed. So, yeah, I think you know, you got to look at Rochester and Sacred Heart Griffin. They seem like they're on a crash course with each other. And then looking up on the other side of the bracket, like, Joliet Catholic, Wheaton Academy, Richmond Burton, you know, that's, mm-hmm. it's a lot again, of intrigue there in that class four bracket. Yeah, it, as it's, well. all,
1: it's all the, the familiar names and somehow year in, year, year in and year out, it seems like Joliet Catholic and Sacred Heart Griffin are always two of the last teams standing. So it could be, it could be that way again this year.
0: Yeah. Well, when we speak about loaded brackets with a yeah. lot of talented teams, yeah, Mitch, let's get into class 3A and the 3A North bracket. Now, it's a loaded yeah. bracket, and the top seed in that loaded bracket is the Princeton Tigers sitting at mm-hmm. 9-0. They mm-hmm. host 16-seed Piattone at 5-4. and four. That game will be Friday night, 6 p.m. What I love is, like, over the years when Princeton's really rose to prominence here, that's kind of been their calling card is that Friday night playoff game I've been to a couple of them. I love it. It's, it's great. Like you certain teams you always know are going to choose Friday night to play their opening round game. Princeton's yeah. one of them. I I love it. It's great. I was surprised
1: by the amount of Friday night games we we have this year, but that's not a bad thing by any means. Um, I wonder
0: if a part of it is officiating. I'm guessing. Could be. Could yeah. be. Yeah. I would, I would speculate that, but um, yeah. Anyway, Mitch, tell me about Piaton.
1: Yeah, the Blue Devils from Pioton coming in at five and four out of the Illinois Central Eight. Another good conference. Um really run heavy offense. When I when I was looking up these guys, reminds me of Forreston, kind of a, a running back or a running offense by committee type of thing. Um couple of guys, Dylan Soroka, Chase Riviera, and uh their their quarterback is James Cuppers? Kup- Kuipers, Kuiper? 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 maybe K-U-Y-P-E-R-S, uh, who who runs the ball a lot too. So Um, their four losses were all to playoff teams. So they've certainly been battle tested all of their five wins. However, came teams under 500. So a a weird (laughs) balance there. Um, this is their third consecutive playoff appearance. They lost in round one last year to a really good Reed Custer team lost in hall in 2019 in round one. So haven't been able to get past the first round in their, in their recent history. Don't see it happening this week there this year either.
0: No, I just, uh, you know, we'll talk about some other matchups down the road. I just can't imagine that Pietone has seen this level of talent that this Princeton yeah. team is gonna, you know, show up and play with. Tegan Davis leading the way, Augie Christensen, Danny Shihaki, just a really it, it's a well-oiled machine, right? At this point, yeah. I mean, Tegan Davis has hardly played into the second into the second half of most games so and a lot or of these has it, players or, or has it needed to no you know? exactly has it needed to that's my point yeah so yeah really no, impressed no, with what
1: yeah, no, no uh, sorry no nola laporte another name to uh to have absolutely big year for, you're right good call another big year for the tigers so yeah um i expected the tigers to do what they've done all year um take control early under the lights there in princeton it will be a fun atmosphere and uh we we'll talk talking about them next week
0: yeah Let's keep going down the rest of the bracket here. We'll have a lot to talk about on this 3A North bracket. There's just so much talent. But from our area, we also have Monmouth Roseville, the 12 seed. They go on the road to number five, Stillman Valley, finishes the year at 8-1. and They'll Mm -hmm. play Friday at 7 o'clock. But Mitch, Stillman Valley, the Cardinals, finish at 8-1. and They lost in week nine to Genoa Kingston. A good right. team, a playoff team, yep. kind of a surprise, a little bit of an upset there in week nine.
1: Yeah, it was a, it was a, a final minutes type of thing, type of loss. Genoa just stayed with them, and they had the ball last, seemingly. Um, Forreston got down to the twenty, I think, tried a couple passes in the end zone, and, and Kingston was able to to win. But that proved crucial here because that dropped Stillman Valley from undefeated to a five seed, and now. They're probably, and again, no offense to Monmouth Roseville here, assuming that Stillman Valley wins, they're going to have to play, assuming they win, see Catholic in the second round, where if they they hadn't lost to Genoa
0: Kingston, they wouldn't have had to see an see Catholic for a round or two. Um, Well, what's also really interesting is that I think because of that loss by Stillman Valley, that's what put them on the same bracket line as Monmouth Roseville. Whereas Monmouth Roseville before was projected to play a rematch against IC Catholic, like they did a year ago. So I heard Jeremy Adelson's interview on WRMJ, their pigskin uh, playoff preview show, which I got to give a shout out to that. Ty Taylor, I was uh, invited to be on their show. Talked, did a quick interview with him, and he he did so many interviews. I mean, I think about twelve different head coaches from around the area and really did, you know, great research really did great work. And um, honestly, on my drive back from, you know, Dakota, from NUIC country, I was listening to all those interviews. So shout mm-hmm. out to Ty Taylor and his coaches interviews for keeping me entertained on the ride home. It was right. It was excellent. But right. in his talking to Jeremy Adolphson the head coach of Monmouth Roseville, you know, Jeremy said as much that, We'll take our shot going up to, to Stillman Valley and seeing a different team. What we really yep. didn't want to do is for two years in a row go back to IC Catholic. But you just want to see something different, right? You want to give your right. kids a different experience, try a different challenge. So,
1: yeah, and, and a challenge is what what they'll face. They're going to get one. Uh, the Cardinals from the Big Northern, as you mentioned, eight and one. Uh, big win week one against Byron they beat the defending 3A state champs in, in a, a big uh, conference conference game there um, a, a wishbone op- option offense here Greg really fun to watch okay. they only attempted they only attempted six passes all year that's what we what? like are you serious what I saw that's what we like um, <laughs> not only that on the defensive side they allowed seven or less points in six games this year so um, this is this is just a really good program. 30th playoff appearance. They've got five state titles under their belt, um, and they again, when you're running the flex flexbone, you know it's a little bit by by committee. So, quarter or sorry, running back Porter needs um, kind of their speedster back. He's got almost 700 yards, nine touchdowns. Owen Zictus just under 600 yards. Um, Jory Spain is their, is their big fullback, and I, I've watched enough armed forces football to know that the fullback is the key part of a wishbone. Okay. Yep. I haven't, he, he's got great numbers on the year, 700 yards, 16 touchdowns. I haven't seen a lot of his name in recent game recaps. I, I don't know if he's hurt. I, I don't want to speculate at all, but um, you know, when he plays, the offense is certainly, certainly clicking. Um, and, and it's all led by Brayden angle under center, who is a really good runner as well. So um, again, there's, there's your, you know, your map. They're not going to pass. They're going to run. You know what they're going to do. Yeah. Can you stop? Can you stop it?
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's an interesting matchup for Monmouth Roseville. you know, and 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 can Jeremy Adelson get his guys in a position to know what they're going to do? But against an offense like this, it's it's like a Lee a Lee win, right? Where you know what they're going to do, but are you disciplined enough yeah. to know who's getting the ball and when, and following the ball carrier and making that play? And here's the other thing. You can't miss a tackle, right? You can't miss one tackle. You have to get them almost at point of contact. Yeah. That, that becomes critical in a game like this.
1: Yeah, the linebackers are, are really going to have to stay sharp, right, when you're, when you're talking about uh, play actions, uh, misdirections, things like that. You're going to have to stay on your assignments. You know, if, if you've got an option and your man is the quarterback, don't, you know, spread out and go to the running backs. The quarterback's just going to cut in. Only focus on your specific assignment. Even if the quarterback pitches the ball to a wide open running back, that is someone else's assignment, not yours. So just stick to your assignments. Try and slow this offense uh, down as best you can. Unfortunately for the Titans, they're coming off of a forty-eight nothing loss to Princeton. So yeah, now, granted, you're coming off of that loss, but you also saw an attack, a really really good attack. Absolutely. That someone Valley's not going to mirror because they play a little bit differently, but uh, big bodies fast physical you saw it against Princeton can you take anything away from that game and apply it to this uh, this playoff game on Friday night
0: and I, and I start looking at you know Monmouth Roseville on the offensive side of the ball and I think like we know what they can do right Silas Braun is a dynamic quarterback who has weapons around him like can they can they devise a game plan can they jump on Stillman Valley And not that Stillman Valley won't know what's coming. They'll get game film. They'll see what's coming. But can you maybe catch them off guard in the fact that Monmouth Roseville sits at that five and four record, right? The record's not impressive. Stillman Valley's come from a big Northern conference where they've been tested. Not that anybody overlooks someone in the playoffs, but I I don't know. You look at this and think maybe this is a a chance where Monmouth Roseville has these weapons. Yeah. And it's a record that may keep them under the radar.
1: Yeah, and certainly is still in valley vulnerable, right? Yeah. Coming off of a of a loss. Um and especially in the last couple of minutes. So, yeah, um again, the, the 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 map is there. You know, slow down their attack. Play Titan offense, you know, to the best of that they have and the wins that they've had this year and just stay to your assignment stay disciplined and see what can happen. That's all you can ask for.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, looking through Monmouth Roseville schedule, you know, you look at maybe the Orion win or, you know, maybe early in the season, Kiwani or against Erie Profitstown. But has Monmouth Roseville played their best, you know, their their perfect game yet? Maybe not. And if it's still hanging out there, Man, there's a huge opportunity. Go to Stillman Valley, play a perfect football game. Play your best game in this one. And I think that's where that you'll need to do it because it's a quality opponent in Stillman Valley, but that's what gives you the shot, you know, to pull off the upset. Well, Mitch, we still have one more team in these, in this 3A north bracket. It's a loaded 3A north bracket. We'll talk about that in a minute. But Dupec, the seven seed. Host number 10 seed Chicago Catalyst Maria at 6-3. and three. That'll be Saturday at 1 p.m. Mitch, there was a chance that Dakota was going to slip to 2A. I think Dupe. that would have been very beneficial for them. Yeah. It didn't happen, but yeah. I will say looking at this matchup, this is a good round one matchup, right? Yeah. You look at a Chicago school. I don't know that they've seen the football that is played in the NUIC yeah track record indicates that that's an advantage for Dupac going into this one
1: yeah no offense to the Wolves I know nothing about this school I don't know if it was like if it's new I I don't have any idea there's no even on IHSA's uh historical past record there's there's nothing in their like archives so I I don't know if this is a new program I have no idea but um the, the Wolves, they play in Chicago Public, Red Central. Um, only one win against a team with a winning record, but they did average 30 points per game in the last four weeks. So maybe they are playing their best football here. Uh, but again, who are they playing? I don't think it's anyone in NUIC territory like Dupec yep. is. So yep. um, I, I think this will be a, a, a nice game for AJ uh, Mulcahy. I think the rivermen will will take care of this one early and often and uh, potentially get into a second round matchup against a Reed Custer team. And I think that would be a really, really fun matchup.
0: Yeah. Well, Mitch, let's just get into this. Yeah. This three, a North bracket is just loaded. I mean, Mm -hmm. Princeton's the number one seed, which we've already talked about. You have Reed Custer, which you just referenced at the number two seed. Seneca is sitting at a three seed. They're kind of the outlier. They're a surprise team here at nine and zero they were mm-hmm. not a playoff team a year ago so they're sitting at 9 and 0 they certainly they have the resume this year right they're 9 and 0 i don't know they've played the same the same impressive schedule that the other teams have in this in this rundown because you have Byron at the 6 seed at 8 and 1 we have Stillman Valley at 8 and 1 as the 5 seed and then we haven't even mentioned yeah <laughs> that that small Catholic school from Elmhurst, IC Catholic, at eight and one.
1: Let me let me run down potential. Uh, the final eight, the yep. second round games, right? Yep. Princeton, Genoa, Kingston, IC Catholic, Stillman Valley, Dupec, Seneca, and Byron.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pick your favorite. Pick your favorite. Any one of those eight teams could be a state champion. Yeah. And we haven't even talked about, talked about Prairie Central. Yeah. Let's talk about the South Prairie Central, the top seed down there. They were the team that handled Mercer County in yeah. the middle and of the handled. season or week seven or whatever that was handled. Everybody. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's fair. Handled everybody. Um, you have Mount Carmel at eight and hey, one. They're a team that made a deep playoff run a year ago. And then you also have Williamsville who has yeah. made consistent deep playoff runs at the three seed sitting mm-hmm. at eight and one as well. Mitch, I will admit, I'm a class one, a guy. That's what I know best. Right. But this three, a bracket, I I will not be able to turn this off. I will be oh, watching yeah. these games every weekend. This is, yeah. this is going to be great football from my, yeah. from my perspective, I would say, I don't really know six, seven, eight, a, I know more of the smaller schools. Yeah. This is the best loaded field we have.
1: Yeah. I think really looking through it, I I would say like I could probably guess 14 out of the 16 games, right? Yeah. Um, so thinking about who or what those second round games are gonna be, like just unbelievable football that you I know. Could pick any one of the 16 teams that would make it in the second round. And you would have a legitimate case for them being a state champion because they're all just so good.
0: Yeah. You know, what's crazy to me is every time I look through this three, a bracket and I see teams like Byron and Stillman Valley from the big Northern. Mm-hmm. When I started high school, now keep in mind, that's been 20 years ago, but I'm saying within Hat. 20, t- 20, Greg, 20. So so I'm saying, well, I'm saying, it's been over. It's been slightly over twenty years there now. See,
1: there,
0: you, there you go. <laughs> but, but, in that time, when I was in high school, Marquette was playing in the Big Northern. Mm-hmm. They are now the second smallest eleven-man team, and there's teams like when, Byron was, and Stillman Valley. When I was in
1: high school, they were playing in the Big Rivers.
0: Yes, yes. So, so it's, it's been a slow trickle down. But yeah. it, my. My point being is that they were like, holy cow, like Marquette was going to get up against some real heavy hitters. And obviously, Mm -hmm. the enrollment was a little bigger back then for Marquette, but it still is what it is. Anyway, just a funny little note. Yeah,
1: right. Um, Yeah, I think, I think Mirko's opponent, uh, Bloomington Central Catholic, has won state titles in four different classes. So, yeah, you see that from time to time on, yeah, in, in, in private schools, Catholic schools, that they just, you know i think newman's won in three different classes so yeah that that happens so yep um but yeah this this bracket is so much fun um and and once every single weekend you could flip a coin on who's gonna win so um this this will be this will be exciting this will be a really fun bracket
0: yeah probably
1: i'll still say 1a i think will be more exciting i think okay um but then this 3A would be like my second, my ranked like second most watched bracket. Yeah, most intrigued, most intriguing bracket.
0: Um, I mean, as you you know, I mean, we've talked about them all year, but we really, it's interesting that it's three different schools from three different conferences, right? The Northwest Upstate Illini, the track, and well, I, I'm sorry, yes, so two different conferences, the track and the Northwest Upstate Illini here in 3A. Mm-hmm. But when you look at it. Man, I, it's Princeton, Monmouth, Roseville, Dupec. three teams, three programs that we really love covering. Yeah. I, yeah. man, I hope the best for all of them in this bracket. And I think it's, it's no secret in saying that probably the best shot to make the deepest run is Princeton, right? Maybe
1: Dupac. Yeah. Um, I mean, Dupec faces yeah, a tough yeah, challenge in yeah, round Princeton,
0: two.
1: Yeah. Princeton wouldn't see potential, and Genoa Kingston would not be a walkover game or nope. or Elmwood Brimfield. They're a good team, too. Um, but again, just playing advocate here. Princeton wouldn't see IC Catholic till the quarterfinals. Dupeck playing Reed Custer in round two would be a tough matchup. And then they'd yep. have to either see probably a Seneca or a Byron in the quarterfinals. So, Again, could happen. These yeah. are all good teams that we're talking about. We're, they're just
0: facing other good teams. So again, anything could happen. I guess my point is I want to see all of them do well, but man, no, I, nobody thought Byron was
1: going to beat icy Catholic last year, right? You're right. Exactly. Nobody thought that. So yep. it can happen. It's it happened in this class. So. No.
0: And so that, that was what I was going to say is that based on what happened last year and looking down, you see that top seed in Princeton, man, I want to be walking the sidelines in champagne, with those Princeton stripes on the field. Yeah. It would be amazing. I, for, I, for I, Princeton Greg, I, and for that, for head coach, Ryan Pearson. And for, you know, I, I just, I want to see it so bad. Yeah. I, I, you know,
1: I, I teased you earlier that I, I didn't, I didn't realize that they were playing in Champagne this year. And that's a, that's a much more manageable drive for me. So, you know, let's, let's make that happen and I'll be there. Yeah. Um,
0: Remind me who did who did Byron Beat last year in the state game? Um Byron Beat Oh man, that's a good question. You're catching me off guard here.
1: Was it Williamsville?
0: Yeah, might have been.
1: Uh, okay. I was just uh, again, I I was just curious. No,
0: Byron Beat Tolono Unity a year ago. Oh, oh that's, that's right.
1: That's right. Who who is also a contender, um yep. you know. So, yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah absolutely this 3a bracket is so so loaded it's going to be fun and you know we got great teams in it and i can't <laughs> wait to see how it plays out yep but Mitch we're going to jump in to 2a Mercer County the 5 seed hosting the 12 seed Bloomington Central Catholic Mercer County 7 and 2 Bloomington Central Catholic 6 and 3 this game will be saturday at 2 p.m. At George Pratt Memorial Field,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Mitch. I'll be honest. The Mercer County Golden Eagles come in with a ton of momentum. Yeah, but this is not exactly a great draw. If I'm no. if I'm being honest, right? I, it's
1: not. It's not impossible. It, it's not at no. all. but nope, it's I It's not. Have been, I have been impressed with Bloomington Central Catholic as well this year. The Saints out of the Illini Prairie, um, making their thirty-first playoff appearance, first playoff appearance since twenty seventeen. Um, their schedule is really heavy with with 3A and 4A competition that sent six teams to playoffs. So uh this is a really, really good Saints team. Um, saw some film of them. Um, they do have a common opponent with Mercer County in Prairie Central. We talked yep. about them in 3A. Both teams had pretty similar results. So um, you know, the tail of the tape, I think, is gonna be pretty, pretty fair here between both teams. Um but, but again, Bloomington having played a, a much, I don't want to say much tougher, but they've been playing bigger schools. Is that going to translate into this sort of game? Really like how Mercer County has played. Really like how they uh, finished the season. Um, obviously, try, try champions there of the LTC. So, yeah, this is, this is a toss-up game for me, I think. Give me, I, full disclosure, I texted you earlier that Mercer County was on upset alert. Okay. I want to keep I want to keep that alert intact, but give me the Golden Eagles at home. Great playoff. Great place to play a playoff game.
0: Yeah, I it it it's what always stands out to me every year when we start talking Mercer County in the playoffs, is that they've had a great season. They're sitting at seven and two, mm-hmm. but their wins are coming. Against a majority of 1A schools, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas Bloomington Central Catholic is playing a bigger schedule in that in the area they come from, especially with you know the likes of Prairie Central and um so that that worries me a little bit. Now, I will say that this year, a little bit different than some other years, I still think that. Farmington win in week 1 mm-hmm. is is very significant here. Like when you start talking about can Mercer County beat the good 2A schools? They beat Farmington. So they mm-hmm. have that one on their resume. The question then becomes, the question that becomes, how good was the Prairie Land this year? Yeah. I don't know if the Prairie Land was as good as they have been in years past. Yeah. Either way, Mercer County got that win in week 1.
1: Yeah. Again, I go back to the Prairie Central game where both Mercer County and Bloomington uh, got handled pretty pretty good. Mercer County responded to that by beating two playoff teams and shutting out both of them. Yeah, 28 nothing over Stark County, forty three nothing over and on Weathersfield. That's what gives me a little bit of uh, of giving them the momentum in this game. The way that they have responded to that Prairie Central game, they saw the best. Right, they saw the best in three A. They came back, they beat two really good playoff teams. They lock up their conference championship and now they're going into the playoffs, hosting a game and having the momentum. That's why, again, I I think there is a possibility that this is a first round upset, but I like Mercer County in this
0: one. Yep. Fair enough. Uh, What is interesting is that Bloomington central Catholics head coach is a Westmore graduate. So Westmore high school out of joy. Um, So he has local ties and obviously now that Westmore is consolidated with Alito, you know, he's kind of coming back to his, you know, old stomping ground. So he'll certainly have family connections there, but um, yeah, this is an interesting matchup. Like you said, in the fact that Bloomington Central Catholic is coming from a bigger, bigger conference, but this is not a, you know, they've had a lot of success in years past, but it's their first playoff appearance since 2017, and I mm-hmm. believe within a few years ago they were 0 and nine. They went winless a few years ago, so they've been on a rebuild, and here they are at six and three, potentially a dangerous six and three team. Yeah, but the pedigree hasn't been there necessarily the last few years. So
1: right, yeah. Well, I, again, can't wait for for Saturday. That's a great, great place to watch a of, uh, watch a playoff game. Um, that there was that picture we had last year of the yep. Newman team that was so cool. So uh, looking forward to maybe seeing a repeat of that.
0: Absolutely. That yes. George Pratt Memorial field on a Saturday on a Friday night's great on a Saturday afternoon is equally or more impressive. Yep. So if Mercer County comes away with the win, Mitch, they would potentially face rock Ridge or Newman who mm-hmm. are right next to them in the bracket, which is okay. really intriguing. So, we like you have that. the four seed Rock Ridge at eight and one against the 13 seed Newman, five and four. This is Saturday at one o'clock. So, this is a rival or um, a rematch of the regular season. We talked about Stark County and Rova Williamsfield. This is also a rematch. Rock Ridge got the win in week two, 33 to eight.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this was when Newman, I think, was trying to find their offense identity, right? Um, they went through a couple weeks where they they got a couple wins, but maybe on the backs of their defense and their special teams. Um, J.J. Castle has really come on strong the, the last part of the season, Aiden Batten, you know, being his main target. Um, but there are, again, concerns about inconsistency with Newman. Um, Coach LeMay in his first year at the helm, obviously great kudos to him for, for getting the Comets into the playoffs in his first year. Um, but, man, I, I've been so impressed with Rockridge
0: all year. Yeah, I think for me, when I look at this matchup, it comes down to can Rockridge continue to click on offense with Deem at quarterback? It seems like Mm -hmm. that's where they're at moving forward for the rest for the you know for the rest of this run this year. The Deem will be at quarterback, and he's really impressed me. I've said it on every (laughs) every podcast we've done for the past two weeks that he had never played quarterback before, and here he jumps in. And at first I thought, oh, they're going to be pretty one dimensional, right? Like, like Deem doesn't, doesn't know the playbook enough to throw or they're not going to yeah. let him throw or they're just going to rely on his feet, his legs. But man, they've really opened the playbook up. And coach Graves told me, you know, talking to him that he has a big arm. Connor Dean has a big, a big strong arm. Mm-hmm. And what I was even more impressed with in the highlights You saw him drop a touchdown pass that wasn't based on strength, but it was one of those passes, one of those kind of touch passes you had to put right in stride into Mm -hmm. the end zone, right? You had to just kind of float it in there, right in stride to Peyton Locke. I love that connection. If you have Connor Dean connecting with Peyton Locke, not to mention you have Cam Bonzac, and you have uh, Zarlatanis at running back or wide receiver, there's a lot of weapons for this Rock Ridge offense. I think the question becomes can Newman slow them down, right? Because we talked about Newman's offense not really putting up enough points or not doing it consistently. Can they slow down Rock Ridge? That's the way they'll have to stay in the game.
1: Yeah. I mean, a, a Rock Ridge offense that scored 35 plus each of the last four weeks. So um, really playing good football here. I like the Rockets at home. Just again, I, I like the way that they've been playing like the way their defense has been playing so yep a good defense against maybe that again the Newman offense that's trying to find his identity is not going to be a a good time for that so I I like Rock Ridge here um and and again potentially we could see a matchup of Rock Ridge and Mercer County and how how fun would that be in round two
0: yeah that'd be awesome that has happened one time I think since the Olympic since they left conference since they left the Olympic conference and we're not playing Together, it happened one time, but yeah, hey, like Jim Taylor says, hashtag Bring Back the Olympic. He he would right. love it. Jim Taylor would be all about that second round matchup.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> yep, no question.
0: All right, let's keep talking. other two A football. Knoxville, the seven seed. They will host mendon Unity at six and three. They're the ten seed. That game will be Saturday one o'clock at Dennis Larson Field in Knoxville. Mitch Knoxville ends up as one of the co-tri champions of the Lincoln trail conference. Right. They beat Mercer County early in the year, but then mm-hmm. they fell to Anna on mm-hmm. later in the season, but continue to get the job done. And here they are. They only had one loss in the in the conference play. So they end up as a co-conference tri-conference champion but they go up against a Menden Unity team that's, that's an interesting matchup at six and three.
1: Yeah, this is, this is a really interesting matchup with, uh, with Menden Unity Payson. Um, uh, a Payson team, the Mustangs, um, that upset Route Catholic in week four. Route, a really, really good team um, that finished with seven wins. So uh, the Mustangs are going to come in with Riley Dukes at quarterback. He's been a really good player for them all year. Um, they've got an all honorable mention all-stater linebacker and tailback in Brian Deeker. Um, probably the best player in the Western Illinois Valley Conference where they come from. So um th- this will be a I think this will be a really good game. I'm excited to watch this on Saturday. Obviously, we've talked about Jackson Johnson all year. He's over a thousand yards, 16 touchdowns on the ground. Uh Bo Honeycutt, Will Shreves on defense, four interceptions. Um, I think that's where this game's gonna be won, is on defense. Um just two really hard-nosed, grounded pound, smack in the mouth type of teams, um, but maybe it's Knoxville's deep threat, you know, ability that might put them over the top. I, I I don't know. This is another one of those games you could flip a coin and you could make a case for either one, because um, I think the Mustangs are going to present a challenge to Knoxville, but Knoxville is going to be standing right there with a challenge right back.
0: Yeah. So obviously this Knoxville team is your, you know, pretty standard for Knoxville. They're going to, they're going to rely on the rushing game. Their main workhorse is uh, Johnson, Jackson Johnson. But Mitch, when you dive into the numbers here a little bit, Braden downs 300 yards receiving Mm -hmm. on 10 receptions, Mm -hmm. 10 receptions for 300 yards and six touchdowns. So when they want to go to the air, They have a weapon there and a connection there between Bo Honeycutt and Braden Downs that cannot be ignored. Like, I think that if you get lulled to sleep with the rushing attack with Johnson, they're going to go over the top of you and they'll beat you that way. That's a really interesting, dangerous combination if they can play call it the right way against this unity, you know, mended unity team that hasn't seen all of their, you know, hasn't seen them week in and week out.
1: Right. Um, looking at this game on the bracket. Yep. Seeing where Knoxville would potentially go in the second round with a win, they might have to match up with either the second seed Bismarck Henning, Roseville Alvin at nine and oh, or a Westville team who's traditionally made some deep runs only at five and four this year, but, um, which again, that would be a, a good, a good matchup too with, with Bismarck. So, um, yeah, this, this, again, for me, it's a toss-up here. I, I've, I've liked what I've seen on tape for both teams. and But, again, that's what the playoffs are all about. Gotta, yeah, you well, got to play the games.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, let's look into this 2A bracket a little bit. you got to start at the top. The number one seed, the number one seed actually in the north part of the bracket, which right. sounds weird, is Maroa Forsythe. Right. They are normally on the southern half. Yeah. So they sneak up here into the north. Mitch they've impressed me all year long I think Mm -hmm. they have to be at the number one seed they have to be one of the favorites to go to Champaign
1: yeah I think so too Uh, look what's interesting is looking down here in the south because the favorite for me is Saint uh Saint Teresa out of Decatur yep but they would have a very interesting matchup in in week or round two either against White County or Athens um again nothing that I don't think Saint Teresa can take care of but Saint Teresa lost last year to Nashville in the semifinals. Um, I believe that, Nashville is somewhere. That yeah, could Nashville be. 11. That could be could another
0: semifinal matchup. Nashville and Saint yeah. T could meet up again.
1: Yeah, Nashville seven and two as the eleven seed. So that tells you that the depth of talent that's here, absolutely, um, in in this bracket. So, yeah, we we talk a lot about the three A and all the teams that are there. Um, I, th- I think you have that chance here in two a two. You might not see that until maybe the quarters. You know, um, get a couple of rounds out of the way before you really see the Morrows taking on Knoxville or, or or Wilmington. You know, the defending champs, or we haven't even talked about them. So, um, or or Tri Valley Downs. So this is a, another loaded bracket here. I, th- I think.
0: Yeah, we cannot sleep on. Wilmington is the three seed at eight and one. Their one loss is to Reed Custer, and it was a bad loss. They lost like 50 to five. Right. But that being said, Reed Custer is maybe the top team in 3A, one of the top teams. Certainly, Mm -hmm. Princeton, like we said, all the teams we've talked about. Right. They're a good program. Yeah. So you have Wilmington now falling down into 2A at eight and one. That's a dangerous team there they're a team that has a lot of potential to make a deep run.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like we have, have been saying, this is a, a really, really good bracket here. Um, so if, if our team's here, if it's, if it's Rock Ridge or if it's Newman, Mercer County, Knoxville, whomever, if they can get to that second round, you're going to really start to see really good talent, really
0: good teams coming up. Yep. Well, Mitch, are you ready to start talking some class one, a football? Whew, hard, hard to think we haven't even got there yet. <laughs> Well, here here we are. Yeah, Class... li- listen, listeners that are still with us
1: here. Uh, <laughs> we this, this is where it, this is where it gets fun, I think.
0: Class one A, we start with the top seed. I don't think it's any surprise. The number one seed, Lena Winslow, nine and zero. They go up against the sixteen seed, Chicago Richards, at five <laughs> and four. This game will be Saturday, two o'clock, at Lena Winslow. Mitch, you start looking, you know, a Chicago public team coming to Lena Winslow. I just don't think... It's not going to go well. I just don't think they've seen anything like what Lena Winslow's going to produce here.
1: No, it's not going to go well. Um, They've they've got the fourth-worst strength of schedule amongst the 1A field versus Lena's, who ranks first. So um, this one was important. We kind of mentioned it earlier that their win over Chicago Egg Science proved important because that's what pushed Aethons into 2A. Um, which Athens and 1A would have been a challenger, I think, to Lena's crown. Yep. Um, but that that did not happen. So uh wasn't an insignificant win there on that was on Saturday too, uh, on selection Saturday. So um, but but again, I one, you're coming out of Chicago Public. Two, you haven't had a very good schedule at all. Three, you're playing Lena at home. It's it's just not gonna go well. It just isn't. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry to any Warrior fans out there who are not listening. Anyway, it's just not going to—it's just not going to go well.
0: <laughs> what? Let's keep moving down the way to a bunch of people yeah, who just are keep, listening.
1: Keep, move, yeah, move on. <laughs> who Are
0: listening to us? We will certainly talk about Lena Winslow plenty in the next few weeks. Yeah. Let's talk about the eight-nine matchup. Maybe the most interesting that we have. I think so because it's—it's it's our teams going against each other but it's 8 versus 9, Rova <laughs> Williamsfield against number 9 Stark County, 5 and 4 versus 5 and 4. Mitch, mm-hmm. we don't hardly ever see that, but here you go. Right. Two win- 5 and 4 teams from the same conference have the chance to grab a win in the first round of the playoffs.
1: And their reward would be Lena Winlow.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, we yeah, we didn't even get into that right away, but yes, it no. would be.
1: Yeah, uh let me let me let me put this on you here. This will be the first playoff game at Bill Adams Field since two thousand six. Okay. Where uh Morrison defeated at, at then Al Woodrova. Yep. I was at this game. This was the year after me. This was I okay. I was in college. I, I was this was my first year at Ambrose. So this was Mitch, the team after. I me. was
0: at this game. Did we go to this We're, game together?
1: No. I was this at this been, game. Okay. We would have we would have met because I was working at at tv6 by then okay but no I I went to this game uh with with friends but anyway so we were both there so there's that but (laughs) I remember that um that Morrison team was really good they beat Newman in round one which a Morrison Newman playoff game is always going to be awesome Uh, I was at that game as well okay (laughs) um but I had I was at Ambrose with a couple people who went to Allwood and Allwood was unbeaten and they were just talking trash like they're gonna smoke you, or they're gonna, you know, talk, yeah. telling that to me. They're gonna smoke Morrison, all this and that. I'm like they are not gonna smoke Morrison. I'm telling you right now. And I remember going there. It was a great environment, you know. It was, um, and it was a 49 to nothing Morrison win. So, um, yeah, that that is a memory they would like to have erased here. So they'll have a chance to do it. So first playoff appearance in the short-lived Rova Williams for Co-op. Um, uh, first uh, appearance for Stark County since 2017. So we're bringing back these, you know, traditional playoff teams here in a round one matchup. Really, really fun. They met in the, in the regular season, obviously playing in the LTC. That was an RW win, 34 to 13. But these two teams have so much talent on the field that you can make a case that it could go the other way. This could be a
0: Stark County win, no question. Yeah. So you put in our notes: Riley Danner versus um Luke Re- Luke Re- Rewerts there we are. I was blanking on his first name yeah. Riley Danner versus Luke Rewerts this is part 2 of that yeah. you know kind of quarterback showdown or I love it it you're right it's absolutely that's what it is but there are a lot of weapons for both teams that surround those two players I think mm-hmm. what really impresses me about both of these squads is that at the 1A level they have a lot of offensive options
1: mhm yeah, so for for the Cougars, Riley Danner, over twelve hundred yards passing, eleven touchdowns. That was for the for the, through the first eight games of the season. Uh, Brian Burleshoffer, we've been talking about him all year. Jack Goodsell, they combined for a thousand yards, twelve touchdowns on the year. But I mean, just you, you name them: Jackson Sharp, Lewis Sam's, Luke Nelson. They're all contributors on this team. Nelson and Sharp really good defensively, and that's and we'll talk about the Stark County defense here in a second. That's where uh, again this game is going to be won, right? Which defense can stop the others' dynamic offense? Um on the start count, he said on the rebel side, uh Dan Keyser has eight interceptions this year, Greg.
0: Yeah. Three of them,
1: three of them pick sixes.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. I saw the highlight from the game against Princeville in week nine. He had a one-handed grab in the end zone, brought it back a hundred yards. Yeah. At the time, Stark County was only winning that game 14-12. So you talk about a flip in momentum. It was huge mm. at the time. Yep. And, and that they really were, sparked that victory.
1: Right. It was the four and four. So really, that play, you know, uh, arguably got them into the playoffs. So, yeah. Um, yeah. On the Rebel side, as mentioned, Luke Rewards. Keiser also plays an offense. Nolan Orwig. This is a really good offensive line with dynamic weapons built around it. So. Um, this'll this'll be fun. I don't even want to try and pick this one just because I think it'll be a really, really good game. I think Stark County will be ready to play, playing with some momentum. Um, but uh, again, the Cougars have a lot of weapons that they'll have to they'll that the rebels will have to stop if they want to win.
0: Yep. And most importantly, after nine weeks, we finally got Dan Keyser's name correct.
1: Right. It's not congrats to us.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so apologies to Dan. We got your name right now. So yeah. thanks, Coach jade Nord, for texting me and telling me, like, hey, these kids had a team meeting and all they want to do is get you to say their names right. So they,
1: they spend their they spend their precious free time listening to us just butcher their names. So <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. Good luck to both those teams. It's a it's a yeah. great, great first-round matchup. It's it's you know, it's cool that we're gonna be
1: talking about at least one of them for another week, right? Yep. We when we yep. when we can guarantee that a team is going to make the second round. Obviously it's bad news for one team, but it's great news for another. So um yeah cool to be talking about one of these teams for another week because they both they both deserve it. So we'll see
0: who who gets there. And good to see playoff football back at Bill Adams field. Yeah no no doubt. So all right let's move down to Fulton the four seed seven and two against the 13th seed Aurora Christian at five and four Saturday Ooh. 2 p.m Mitch anytime you start talking about Aurora Christian in that 1a bracket it's just a really interesting matchup because it's hard to scout with the opponents being so different they've played bigger schools out of Chicagoland area and they just there's no common opponents it's really hard to gauge how this Aurora Christian team stacks up
1: well let me let me answer that for you real quick Uh, the Eagles have lost to Lena Winslow each of the last three postseasons in the first round. So they have not had good luck in round one, not only being matched up with an NUIC school, but losing to them in pretty, pretty convincing fashion.
0: Last year was really surprising to me because it was like, I thought they had a pretty good resume coming in. Yeah. And then I saw that final score and I guess we knew that, you know, Lena was that good. And they, they proved it. And,
1: and, and again, it goes to the argument on when we do get Chicago area schools coming in, they're so hard to predict because we just don't know who they're playing. And if they're, if their wins are any good, you know, or if their yep. losses are really that bad. So in this case, uh Rourke Christian has not had any luck. I think they have a state title in their belt. I think. Maybe from like 2003 yeah, or something. Uh, I could two thousand and three, uh Two-time
0: state champions. They okay. were 2011-2012.
1: Okay, so I was correct, but also way off. Um, <laughs> but I I don't expect anything different this year. Really, really have enjoyed watching Fulton. Um, I I think that they the the Eagles will will find similar uh misfortune this year playing another NUIC team in the first round um, because, again, I, I've been so impressed with with the, the Dijkstras and the Damehoff's and, and everybody on the Steamer's offense. Patrick, you know, lower, leading the, leading the team. Um, yeah, I, I think this will be a Fulton win, and, and they'll be moving on to round two.
0: Yeah. When you start looking at the Eagles from Roar Christian, um, Max Bray, quarterback, leads the way, dual threat athlete, I think he may become run first Mm -hmm. at times, um, but he does have wide receiver weapon, Owen Hampton. They also have, they only have six seniors. So that they're a young group. Um, They played a top 1A matchup in round one or in week one of the season against Ottawa Marquette. It was at in Ottawa against Marquette. Marquette came away with the last second, literally in the last minute of the game, threw a touchdown pass to win 26 20. So Marquette came away with that one in that game, Max Bray played well, but also went under pressure through two interceptions. So Mm -hmm. I think that's something to make note of that. He wants to try to be that athletic playmaker, but is prone to maybe throwing into pressure situations where it maybe is ill-advised. I think one thing to note, they have a, big line they have their linemen up front they have 10 guys between the sizes of 225 and 315 so there's a lot of size up front can that make a difference against a fulton team
1: do they have a six foot six wide receiver like balan damon
0: well that's the thing is can can fulton manipulate that mismatch potentially and i think there's a lot of there's a lot of potential there as well. I like this Fulton team because they can do multiple things on offense, right? Yeah. They can run. They can pass. They're not one-dimensional to where a team like this, Aurora Christian's, really going to have to play a sound defensive effort. You're going to have to be able to count for multiple things, and I just don't know that they've seen an offense that's been battle-tested like Fulton has, and I think that Fulton could exploit that
1: they've also never seen a golf cart disguised as a steamer roaring down the track after a score. So that's, I mean, you see that and you're just, what can you do? So Fulton, a great place to watch the game. Um, you know, we've talked before that we're always big fans of the big displays of playoff history. Fulton's got one. Oh, yeah. um, and, and again, the steamer just gives it that much more. If Jeff sends that out on Saturday, I am absolutely retweeting it every single time. So um yeah excited to see Fulton playoff uh, football once again
0: shout out to Jeff Parsons athletic director of Fulton they were watching our uh, NUIC playoff preview at their at yep. their party on Saturday so thank you so much we appreciate it we love yep. it yeah so, well looking down the bracket in class 1a we have number five Anawan Weathersfield against number 12 Rockford Lutheran Anwan Wethersfield sitting at a record of seven and two. And you have Rockford Lutheran at five and four coming mm-hmm. into the 12 seed. This game will be Saturday in Kewanee at 1 p.m. Mitch, again, kind of like what we talked about with Mercer County, I don't know that I love this draw for Anwan Wethersfield. Rockford Lutheran comes out of the big Northern Conference. Yep. Tough conference. They've been battle tested. They went toe to toe with Stillman Valley in this season, only lost 23 14. So, Mm -hmm. still at a loss, but they still played really tough against a really solid 3A Stillman Valley. So, well, and we 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 talked
1: about that with Rock Ridge, right? They they one of their best wins was playing Princeton pretty close, and look where it got them you know, they went eight and one um yeah i hope i'm pronouncing this right because this is awesome their cubic their quarterback is named king Hughes. is that how you would pronounce that i believe so yep awesome um yeah he's the leader of this uh this Rockford lutheran team um uh, not this. not the sole reason but a big reason why they beat a, a good program in winnebago is to clinch this playoff spot so um again not taking a whole lot of stock they were five and four or sorry four and four um because again playing in a bigger conference but Big fan of what Annoa Lettersfield has done this year. I'm worried a little bit that coming off of that loss last week. Um, but I think they can regroup here. Hosting that, it's a nice nice place to, to play a playoff game, nice place to host a playoff game. Um, but again, can they – do they have the talent to overcome the experience of Rockford Luther?
0: Yeah, and I think that's the thing is that this Animal and Weathersfield team is still young. I mean, they they last year they battled the five and four as a young program. I mm-hmm. still think they're on the younger side of things. Now, Zebrash and Dylan Ori have done a great job of getting this program to where they're at right now. And obviously, we can't forget to mention Matthew Setney is the defensive player of the year in our area. I think yeah. bar none. Nobody, nobody else. He may be one of our players of the year, period. We have yeah, never gone a defensive route, but man, he has earned it. His, his numbers are incredible on the defensive side of the ball. So I think there's a lot of talent on this Anawan Weathersfield team. But again, it's like what we talk about with Mercer County. They haven't played the same type of schedule that Rockford Lutheran has. Now, Rockford Luther's record isn't that great. It's five and four. But we'll see. We'll see how this plays out. Yeah, you know, the, the, the
1: kiwani Weatherfield ended their season playing four straight playoff teams, right? Knoxville, yep. Stark County, Rova, Williamsfield, um, and then uh, Mercer County. So again, I I did not see their their forty three nothing loss in Week Nine coming, um, and certainly that's a that's a blemish going into the playoffs. But um, they've certainly had a good schedule. They've certainly played playoff teams, um, and so now can they take that kind of experience and and that, that three and one record against playoff teams and apply it to against a Rockford Lutheran here?
0: Yep. Well, move a few slots down in the bracket. We have the seven seed, St. Bede seven and two against the number 10 seed Forreston at five and four. This game will be at St. Bede Academy Saturday at two o'clock Mitch, this game talk about a contrast in style and a Mm -hmm. contrast in schedules. Forreston played the tough one, a schedule of the NUIC They kept in some close games against Fulton and Dupac. And then they stayed within two touchdowns of Lena Winslow, which I know you still lost the game, but it's Lena Winslow and you held with them the whole game. That's an impressive performance, no matter how you look at it. On the flip side, St. Bede coming out of the three rivers, at least for this year, that Mm -hmm. may be changing, but St. Bede playing a bigger schedule but have they been tested? They played bigger, you know, two a three a schools, but a lot of three, four win teams. Yeah. So I guess that's where the question becomes.
1: Yeah. And I think even on, on this show on Saturday, and even I think we probably talked about on the pod, there is not a five and four team. I would want to play any less than Forreston. Yeah. (laughs) This is, this is a, this is a tough draw for for Saint. Bede, I think, because uh, I've just been so impressed with what Forreston does playing at NUIC. Um, and like you said, I, I was I was high on Saint Bede, Um, but but again, maybe their their resume was a little, you know um, light I, I, I want to say. I was impressed with how they beat Mendota in week nine um, so that they get that win against a, a good offensive team in Mendota. So maybe that gives them some good prep against Forreston. But uh, again, with Forrest and how they played all year, how they played against Lena, and the competition that they played, I like Force and in this matchup to win. Uh, the the St. Bede field is a tough place to play. I've been there, but Force and will be ready.
0: Going to the academy, the Abbey at St. Bede. I I will say that the winner of this game probably gets hope. Yep who
1: I have my concerns about not being as good as they are, but others don't share that all that much. So, but the winner of this game, will probably play them.
0: We'll talk about that in a minute, but Mitch, this is the, this is the battle of uh, John versus Johnny, John Brady yeah. versus Johnny Kobler. I hate oh. to, I hate to bust your bubble here. I hate to kill all of your, you know, I'm switching
1: my pick. I'm switching my pick.
0: <laughs> so ruined by a lot. <laughs> Kyle on the show the other night said Johnny Kobler, so I feel like he would probably know. Probably right, because there's
1: not a second B in there. But I, I really had my <laughs> hopes up. So again, for, thought Forreston. It, thought it sounded
0: <laughs> delicious.
1: I know, Forreston, if you're listening and you never corrected us, uh, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, or maybe you know, I'm gonna, I'm
0: gonna have my fingers crossed that maybe Kyle was wrong
1: and it's just gonna live in my head forever that it's cobbler,
0: <laughs> but it is an interesting matchup between, you know, yeah. the leading rusher for Forreston and obviously John Brady, who's done a little bit of everything. Well, for Saint B
1: yeah. Who's, who's, who's a bit of a one man show um, not to take anything away from what the Bruins have done, but Brady's stats back it up. Whereas Forreston is more of that committee type of success. So yeah. Um, yeah. Can, can they just wear down the St. B defense? Get into the end zone and, and get out with a win.
0: Yep. Well, Mitch, we got two games left to talk about yeah. in the 1A bracket. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to skip down yeah. to Iroquois West and Dakota. So you have yep. Iroquois West, the sixth seed at seven and two against the number 11 seed Dakota at five and four great year for Dakota. Like we've talked about how mm-hmm. camp camp Meyer had them projected at five wins going into the season. I give him credit. So I don't know that I knew that or was confident in that, Right. but he had it. I don't think he had them going about it the way they did winning mm-hmm. against Forreston and then losing to Eastland, Pearl city, but either way, they get to right. five victories. They will be on the road Saturday, one 30 in Gilman against Iroquois West credit mm-hmm. to head coach Dan sheets. And this Dakota Indians program getting back to the playoffs, a proud program with a lot of tradition, like a lot of these NUIC schools, but it was a struggle. They were, they were yeah. down, no doubt about it.
1: Yeah, and, and they're going to have to use that experience uh, playing in the NUIC, um, playing that hard-nosed football here against um, Iroquois West because this is a really run-heavy team, So something that Dakota has seen, but it might be the biggest line that they've seen. Um, anchored by Ken and Leonard, who is committed to Iowa, 6'9", 265. Um, His brother, who also played for Iroquois West, plays at Illinois, so quite quite the family there. Um, Jace Pankey is 6'4", 280 on the line. Um, When you talk about their skill position, Sam McMillan doesn't pass a lot, but he's a really effective runner and an effective passer when they do choose to do that. Um, but again, a kind of like a Forreston type committee. Uh, Tristan, Tristan Shacht, Chase Schacht, Schacht. <laughs> there you yeah, go. Chase Ritzma, John Alden, and Christian Grayston all uh, scored. I know in their last in their last uh, week nine game here. So this is a really really good uh, run offense. They won round one last year over United before falling to A-Town in round two, which surprised me at the time, but they lost to A-Town, but um, more experience this year. So uh, again, Dakota's going to be ready for it because they've seen similar teams in in terms of style. Um, Now they just have to put it all together on the road to to get out of there with a win.
0: I think that's the key, right, for Dakota, is that they're going on the road and that that inconsistency has been there throughout the year. When they've played well, boom, they're a great football team. That's what got them here. I think they need to play one of those good games and rely on what they've been through the battle tested NUIC football rely on that. And you're going up against a big line, but I almost feel like that's, that's something that an NUIC football team can handle, right? That's what you're used to seeing. Well, and they,
1: we talked about how, or at least I kind of, compared Iroquois West to Forreston and Dakota beat Forreston. So play the way you did that week. Don't play the way you did the following week against EPC. Sure. And uh, you know, you'll, you'll walk away with a win. So yeah, to see this one again, Dakota in the playoffs is, is, is great to see. Um, and as you mentioned, congrats to, to coach uh, sheets and the whole Indian
0: team there. So this, this will be a fun matchup, I think. Yep. One more fun matchup to talk about in sure. class 1A, Mitch, yep. It is officially rivalry week for the View from the West podcast. You're yeah. stretching out. You're getting ready to talk about this one. Yeah. It's my number three ranked seeded Ottawa Marquette Crusaders at mm-hmm. eight and one, mm-hmm. hosting the number 14 seed, your Morrison Mustangs at five and four, Saturday, 1 yeah. p.m. at beautiful Gould Stadium in Ottawa, Illinois. Mitch, did you see this one coming? I I did not. I did not see this coming.
1: Yeah, um, obviously the, the Morrison playoff um, hopes came down to that week nine win against Erie prophetstown so they they took care of that pretty handily to get in. Um, so, no, I, I don't know that I had expectations on where they would land. I figured it would be a lower seed being five and four. But, um, yeah, this couldn't have worked out any better for us. This is the content we're looking for
0: absolutely i love it i love it so much mitch i should have told you to bring your helmet in i got my helmet here so hang on (laughs) as mitch runs down the hallway to go grab his morrison mustangs helmet it's awesome (laughs) there we go we got we got to get them both in there yeah Love it. What, what I should have
1: found is uh, the newspaper clippings from when I played there my junior year because that was the best game I ever played at, at that field. So uh, I have good memories of playing there, and I, I hope the, the Mustangs do uh, as well. But let me let me pose this to you. Yep. Because I, I know who we will both pick, right? But I think you've seen both teams on the field, right? I have. So, so give me the keys to how Morrison can win, give me the keys to how Ottawa can win. And then I'll tell you
0: why Morrison's going to win. <laughs> <laughs> okay. First of all, don't ever call Marquette Ottawa. That's not how this works. It's, it's Marquette.
1: Rival over a week. I don't care.
0: <laughs> There's another school named Ottawa that's in the playoffs in a bigger class. This, you is say Mar- so. this is Marquette. So. I will this is, say this is, this is like this is like the Rova kids getting mad at me all over again. I <laughs> what is it's, it's Rova Williamsfield, Mitch? You're forgetting a school here. All right, so um, what I will say I've seen both teams. What I've been really impressed with, especially in the game I saw, was Marquette against Anamon Weathersfield. So you know, an easily comparable school to what Mil- what Morrison sees. Morrison played Anna on Weathersfield in the 2019 playoffs, I believe. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, all very common opponents in the area. What impressed me that day was that obviously Anna on Weathersfield is now a playoff team. Marquette really shut them down, controlled them, controlled their ground game on off. they, They did not do anything on offense. So looking at a game against Morrison, What I like is that I think Marquette's experience on offense can grind down a Morrison team. And on the defensive side of the ball, I think Marquette is fast enough on the outside in the secondary that they can limit what Morrison wants to do. Morrison's a talented football team. They're young. They're going to be back again next year and the year after that. I think in this exact matchup, I think I like Marquette's experience. And they've been battle tested this year. A lot of years Marquette's schedule in playing independent. Isn't always that tough this right. year. I think it really is. They've played Aurora Christian and beat them. They lost a hope on the road. They beat D Mac. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I just, I like, I like what I've seen in Marquette in this matchup.
1: Okay. Um, now let me tell you why you're wrong. Um, <laughs> I, I've I've been really impressed with with Morrison all year, right? They were two and seven last year. Yep. Um, this is Coach Schneider's first like real full season with them. A full off season coming into the the new year. Absolutely. Um, young team, four seniors. They play freshmen on this team. They play sophomores on this team. Um, what what I've liked the most, um, in addition to seeing how good quarterback Danny Mao has been having that connection with Chase Newman. Um, You know, Mao's over a thousand yards. That's kind of a rarity for Morrison quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, There's a couple that I can remember off the top of my head, but I don't think in their two um, state championships, one of them run
0: heavy those years.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. One of them might've been, but regardless, it's rare to have a thousand. So um, Chase Newman, obviously being the top target, Carson Strading, Deshaun McQueen, Brady Anderson. That's a four by one team. If I've ever seen one that you'll <laughs> yeah. probably see in the spring truth, yeah. truth be told, you'll probably see that in the spring. Um, What I've liked most is that this team started two and four. Yeah. And their, and their playoffs started three weeks ago and yep. they, they hit the mark every single week. I don't remember who they won. The first, the first, their third one was, I don't remember. Uh, Hall, it was Hall. Yep. And then, then they beat Leroy, and then they beat Erie Prophetstown. So I think that Morrison's momentum will be their biggest catalyst in this game against, like you said, Ottawa's experience, Ottawa's talent, Ottawa's speed. Marquette, Marquette, Marquette. What did I say? (laughs) Did I say Ottawa again? Yeah, yeah. Whatever. Um, I think – again, I think that the way that Morrison has been playing will push them over Marquette in this game. That's how I see it. And we will see Saturday 1 PM at the field there. Um, That's a, that's a weird place to play because you got to come down the hill to get to the field, right? Because the locker room, are the locker rooms still like way up on a hill?
0: Uh, Well, they, yeah, they have, so the school is up on the hill. So they kind of get, I think at halftime, you end up going to either the – there's, like, a – I think we went, a like, building. behind. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yep. But I remember, I remember after the game, because it was, like, a muggy, like, August night.
0: Yes. And, like,
1: you're just, like, exhausted. And not only do you have to walk across – I think it's like a field or a parking field right yeah, on the Yeah, the,
0: the practice field. And then you go up the right. hill. Yep. And then you gotta walk up this hill on your yeah. feet.
1: So that's that was yeah. an interesting uh game. But so you
0: said you said the word weird. That that's a weird way to say beautiful place to play at Gould Stadium. I played at night. Couldn't tell you. I'll take your word <laughs> for it. No. So I'll take your word for it. It is I I mean, I know I'm biased, but there is not many places you see that have that amount of bleachers on both sides yeah. for home and visitors. There's a ton of bleacher space, well, but uh, also there's, there's plenty no... of space for, go ahead. Is there, is there a track there? No, they don't have track. Nope. Right. Not, the, not around the, the field.
1: Nope. The the bleachers, the away bleachers at least are like right there. Absolutely. Yep. Right. on. I mean, it, it, it's your supporters, but they're like right on top of you.
0: Yeah. But I think that adds to the atmosphere. I think it, it makes sure. it a little, it makes it feel a little bigger. Um. Yeah. And I will say they have the best, uh, they have the best public address announcers in the state, my dad being one of them. There's no doubt about that.
1: (laughs) You know, and look, in in all seriousness, this one, this couldn't have worked out better for for this podcast. Yeah. Biases aside, I I like both of these teams. I I think this will be a really fun matchup.
0: Yeah, I do too. And uh, and yes, I will compliment Morrison as I've talked about Marquette a lot. I will compliment Morrison the fact that Brady Anderson. As a freshman, really mm-hmm. impresses me. So, did I don't know if you saw the highlights from the other night? Um, yep. I hate to even like call it out because I was feel... I will. It
1: was such a good play from Jace Grunder. Like it yes. was such a nice run. Yes. And it only <laughs> fell apart at the very last yard um, yes. from the effort of Anderson. Yes, so.
0: exactly. The reason I had to show the play. Was because you see Anderson come from out of nowhere, full sprint, and yeah. his—you could tell his whole objective was he was going to try to punch that ball out, and yeah. it worked perfectly for him. He did exactly what he wanted to do. He came, caught up from 15 yards back, punched it out. It became a turnover into the end zone. Morrison yeah. gets the ball back. There was a huge momentum swing at the time.
1: Yeah, and I said on I said on the uh, instant reacts that he comes from a long line. Of, yes of speed his his dad nate anderson um who i believe follows uh, follows us on twitter um he was he's a morrison grad he's also an ambrose grad and he was the secondaries coach when i played so i've known that family for a long time his uh brady's two older brothers were both uh, state medalists at the track meet and you can see why you can see why he probably will be one too so uh, yeah, the Anderson family of Morrison has always had speed. So cool to see that that line still continues and still making big plays.
0: Uh, Mish, the question is: Do you know? Do you know the Morrison fight song? The words, all that.
1: No, is there one?
0: I don't know. Yeah, I, that, that's what I'm, <laughs> I'm asking right you. Is there one?
1: Uh, the the it's it's the big red rumble was always the uh, the cheer. Uh, I I don't think there's a fight song. If okay, there is, well i'm a bad alum because i don't
0: know it okay well here's what's gonna happen the winner the loser will sing the other team's fight song or will 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 do some sort of cheer or chant or all right you figure it out you figure out what what it needs to be but uh does does ottawa marquette have a
1: oh yeah i know all the words and
0: i'm gonna send it to you
1: okay uh see if i look up morrison big red rumble all i get is results from the latest wwe royal rumble so that is (laughs) that is not helpful whatsoever and it's just pictures of john morrison so not helpful
0: in the (laughs) slightest well it's close then john morrison you're close but yeah right all right well get get familiar with m-m-m-a-r-q-q-q-u-e-e-e-t-t-e marquette
1: is that the ottawa high
0: school fight song You know what, Mitch? I'm done. I'm done with this. No, I'm not going to be singing it. So what's it matter if I learn it? (laughs) You'll see. You'll see. (laughs) You better get. You better get real used to hearing that.
1: All right. Not not even going to (laughs) prepare.
0: I love it.
1: We've we've been talking for two and a half hours. Let's get to eight man.
0: Well, do we want to talk about any of the brackets? Oh, oh, we
1: got it. Oh, we got to go through the bracket. The best bracket there is. My goodness.
0: Yeah. Do we want to talk about what we have in uh? in the in the class 1a playoffs here well
1: it, what we what we kind of uh missed in in all of that was that a lot of these games they they make up most of the north bracket so yeah a lot of these teams are going to be playing each other in the second round so absolutely you know, lena lena will, lena will be playing uh robo williams for their start county fulton will could potentially be playing Kiwani uh one weathersfield um yep I guess that's, you know, if things went well, Ottawa Marquette or Morrison could be playing Dakota. So there's yep. a, lot of, a lot of possibilities that all of these teams are going to be in the second round. So that'll be cool. Um, and I think
0: you, you mentioned Chicago Hope Academy. They're sitting at 9-0 and at the number two seed. I I was fairly impressed with their score against Marquette, being that I think Marquette has a good defense, mm-hmm. and Chicago Hope really put up a big point total on them. I think yeah. he scored 40 some points. So mm-hmm. that did impress me, but you're right. You, you pointed out their resume is not that strong overall.
1: Yeah. My, my concern about, about hope is that they're, they're nine and O. Again, independent, like you were talking about with Ottawa, Ottawa Marquette and you can't always have a good picture of how their opponents are. Um, and you, know, I see Kyle posted, Strength schedules for the one A class, and they come in at 13th of the Northern bracket. So um, uh, again, that just kind of gives more fuel to my argument that I'm not as high on them as others are, especially if their round two game is going to be against, I think Forreston, but also against St. Bede. Um, that could potentially win that game. No, no question in my mind.
0: Yeah, you look at their opponents' win loss record this season. 23 and 55 for Chicago. Oof. Bulls. Oof. Yeah. Now, now that being said, I was impressed with them when they played Marquette because Marquette hey. had just come off a big victory over Anwan Weathersfield where Marquette's defense really silenced that Titan offense. Mm-hmm. But then the following week, hope looked really good offensively. So yeah. I, I was, I was impressed with that victory. But looking at that, yeah, that's, that's hard to justify 23 and 55. Right. And their strength of schedule is just not there. So yeah, yeah, that will be interesting to follow along with. The other thing I think you have to look at when you start looking at this class one, a bracket is that a year ago, Ridgeview Lexington was in the North Mm
1: -hmm. and they
0: met up with Lena Winslow in the semifinal. Mm Mm-hmm. And that semifinal game, Mitch, if you remember, was much closer than yeah. what the state championship game ended up being right, and now that Ridgeview Lexington team falls south this year. They're the right. top team in the south. You're almost on a crash course for Lena Winslow and Ridgeview Lexington rematch
1: yeah you can see you can see it happening looking at the south, there's a lot of good teams down here too though, so obviously Ridgeview has been ranked number two all year um. You've got Tuscola there. You've got Route, who we've been impressed with. Yep. Camp Point Central 9-0, and a team that always makes it far. Uh West Central AM is right there at six and three. Greenfield Northwestern, uh, Cumberland. So yeah, the South is full of really good teams too. So they're gonna beat each other up on the way to the semifinals and eventually get to who I think it will be Lena Winslow. Um but, you know, it, looking looking at this and looking at teams that are in the you know, same conferences, rematches, all that, it reminds me of, and I think I told you this, I was looking at the 1999 two-way bracket Yeah. where it was out of the, I don't remember if they called it Three Rivers back then or, you know, the present-day track, where you had Newman, Morrison, and Fulton. Newman was the number one seed in two-way by far. Um, Morrison was really good, and Fulton made the playoffs, too. I think Fulton came in at five and four. Newman, the number one overall seed, got like destroyed in round one. Morrison won their first round matchup pretty handily against GCMS before they lost to Alito pretty badly. And then you had Fulton, who lost to both Morrison and Newman in the regular season, made it all the way to the state semifinals. So anything can happen when you get a, a number of good teams from the same conference, you know, throw out what what happened in the regular season. We, you know, we, we talked about this already with Robustark County and Rockridge Newman throw out really what happened because this is a brand new season. It's a brand new ball game. Anything can happen. So is it, is it feasible that Lena makes it to the quarters and plays Fulton and that's a tough game? Yeah. It's completely feasible. Is it feasible that they make it to the semifinals and play Foreston? Yes, it absolutely is. I don't know if that'll happen. I don't know if that means Lena won't, wouldn't win those games or even win them pretty handily. But this 1A bracket sets up a lot of opportunities like that where you're going to see rematches. You're going to see really good teams every single round. And even though it looks like Lena is on, the, on a, the, just an easy path, I don't think it'll be quite as easy as we think it is. Not saying it's not going to happen because I, just, I still think it will. But again, you get to a quarterfinal game against Fulton and then you maybe start to rethink it a little bit.
0: Hey, what about that uh, semifinal game against Ottawa Marquette?
1: Did that happen in a previous year or <laughs> should I look back? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I'm, I'm saying, saying it's not impossible. I will, I will say the winner of that game, the winner of Ottawa Marquette Morrison, I think has a good shot to beat Iroquois West or Dakota and would be a quarterfinal team.
0: Yep. Yep. And then um, you start, yeah, it's there's, yeah. Then you start looking so, at, you know, that Forreston matchup down the way. And yeah. there's Chicago Hope, which Marquette would have to overcome, that's been yeah. beaten by once before. So, yeah. Right. Now,
1: this – and and talking with seeing Ridgely Lexington in the south, this would be an argument almost like for the 1-32 through 32 seeding because then you would see the one – the top seed and the second seed in different brackets, and you wouldn't see them play within the first three rounds. So, this this would be, you know, uh, an advocate of what could happen if you saw an unbeaten Ridgely team and an unbeaten – Lena team, the top two teams in one A yeah. all year meeting in the state championship.
0: Yeah. I think it seems like Ridgeview Lexington and maybe Camp Point Central are on kind of a collision course there in the Ag-
1: South. Again. And we just, we were just talking about with, with hope Camp Point Central and Greenfield Northwestern have worse strength of schedule. So uh, again, true. anything, anything's going to happen. You could see Central AM and at 6 and 3 in the Tennessee get out of there. It, it's yeah. just you know, uh, we liked route as the five seed. Tostolo has been really, I've really been impressed with Toscola this year at seven and two. So, um, yeah, this this will be a lot of fun. As much as much fun in the in the, the star power that we had in three A, one A, I think clips it just a little bit, and we'll see good matchups every single game of this playoff.
0: Yeah, well, we're gonna transition to eight man, and that's a good transition point because there are exciting matchups every week in eight yeah. man football. Yeah, this has been so much fun. Let's get into it, Mitch. Let's talk about the teams from our area, but yes. essentially it's almost every game that we're going to end up talking about here. Um, the number two seed Biggsville West central against number 15 seed South Beloit. That one's mm-hmm. Friday at seven o'clock. Mm-hmm. You have Cambridge Ridgewood number three seed against number 14 seed South Fork. That's also Friday at 7 o'clock. Ashton Franklin Center going up against Milford Cisna Park, who we've been really impressed with. That's the 4-13 matchup. That one will be on Saturday at 2 o'clock. Amboy is the 5 seed against 12 seed Blue Ridge Farmer City, Saturday, 3 o'clock. Polo, the two-time defending state champions, Comes in as the sixth seed against Hiawatha. Another team we've been huge high on this year, number seven, Milledgeville against number 10, Southwest West Prairie, Saturday at one o'clock. So many big matchups here. I mean, Mitch, we'll start with Biggsville West Central. They're the number two yeah. seed, led by Jason Kirby. They're undefeated on the season. They have really impressed me this year. Caden Drosty is just doing work. I mean, he's been so impressive. Him, Parker Meldrum on the defensive side of the ball, uh, Mason Carnes, I believe, also doing great. This Biggsville West Central team is probably one of the favorites to win the eight-man state title, I would say.
1: I would think so, yeah. Um, obviously, D- Dakota Lutheran, has that number one seed and they. Dakota Lutheran,
0: but yes. What what did I say? <laughs> Dakota Lutheran. Oh, um, there's no Lutheran school in Dakota that I know of. But
1: one, it's one twenty in the morning, Greg.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I've I've been impressed
1: with West Central. Who can stop them? Right? Because who did they play in weekend? Did they play millsville or Amboy? We yes, week nine they played Amboy, beat them pretty soundly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so um, a really good Amboy team. Um, and it was one of those things where you almost like expected West Central to to do that, but it still seems weird, right? It still seems that they yeah. shouldn't have been able to do that against Amboy. So they are my favorite too, I think, over uh, Decatur Lutheran. Um, but as we've talked about all year, every single week, if you tell me that AFC is going to beat Milford Citizen Park on Saturday, yep, I believe that. I believe that all day. Um, some games I, I, in this, at least in this first round, you know, I I think Ridgeville uh, Ridgewood wins Amboy wins Polo wins West Prairie Millsville. I think that's going to be a good game. I like Noseville though with the returning players that they have. Yeah. Uh, you know, Pawnee St. Thomas Moore flip a coin. So yep. Maybe not this first round, but the second round it gets into games where you can make a case for any team doesn't matter if they play in the regular season, doesn't matter what the result was that I could be convinced that they're going to win and that you probably have four teams. I think that could win the title. Yeah, being, I would say so. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Decatur Lutheran West central Milford Sisna park. And then I'll put Polo in there. Cause I've, I've really been impressed with what Polo has done. Um, and that's not even mentioning that, you know, the other <laughs> however many teams are, uh, the other 14 teams that I didn't mention. So this will be a lot of fun. This, this will be the three, a, the one, a type of bracket type of week after week entertainment, I think.
0: Yeah. I think obviously, you know, one of the question marks becomes, um, you know, Tucker Lindenmeyer from Amboy. Sure. Yeah. I mean, he, if he's been out the last few weeks, we certainly hope he's healthy. We don't, you know, we don't want anyone to rush back, but we who, hope that who, he... does, who did they beat
1: to get to number one when he was playing? Because was it Milledgeville? Yes. Did that, so, put, did that
0: push them to number one? Okay. Yep. They beat Milledgeville 40 to 36 in week three. Great,
1: unreal game.
0: Great game. Yeah. It's a great win for them. I mean, their only losses are to Milford the Park, who's one of the top teams, and to Biggsville West Central in week nine yeah they they have an impressive resume millageville has an impressive resume not to mention that bryce audi is back for them now he was one of their you know difference makers
1: do you have and i don't want to have him make you search for it especially live here do you have what you know i can find it
0: i wonder what west central's closest game was um i can tell you real quick here um West Central's closest game was 64-36. <laughs> sure. <laughs> or yeah. 66-34 against Ridgewood. The game against Ridgewood or Milledgeville. those would be the closest games they had and they weren't even really that close.
1: So Yeah, they they the the lowest amount of points they put up this year was 50. Yep. And that was against one of the worst teams they played in, in FCW. So yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and it was 50 to eight. And that was the, yeah. you know, one of the lowest points they've given up this year. So
1: yeah. 556 points for West central this year. Just yeah. insane. So yeah. I think they're, they're, they're my favorite. They're, they're so good. They're so fast. Um, did they know what Milford system park went to the state title the first year, right. Against correct. Polo. And then yep. it was Polo Orangeville. Yep. Um, so I think that again, I've, I've been really impressed with Polo this year, not saying they can't get back to the, the, uh, the title game, but maybe we, maybe for the first time we have two completely new teams, the the state championship here in a man. It could be, be,
0: it could be. be And I know that, you know, the group that I was with, uh, on our NUIC playoff preview show, um, Tyler Murdian was a quarterback Mm -hmm. on that team a year ago from polo. So he's high on polo. And, and for good reason. I think that they're a team that they've played an impressive resume too. And they come here at the sixth seed, but man, they have all the experience and all of the potential to make all that yard, run. Right.
1: All the yard, all the yards, all the touchdowns. With, yeah. With Proctor- you know, Soltao and practice? Grenoble. Cause who did, who did they lose to? Who were their two losses?
0: So Polo has lost to, um, they lost to Amboy in week one and they lost to Milledgeville in week four and that's it. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, they're impressive. Um, I think, you know, this Ridgewood team with Gavin McDonough and what Coach Elder has done to flip this program around moving into their first year in eight man. You can see that this move to eight man was great for them. And actually, I heard a really cool story. Um, WRMJ, Ty Taylor did the interview with um, head coach Pat Elder for their pigskin playoff preview show over the weekend. And talking to Coach Elder about, you know, he had been a teacher for a few years and had not been coaching football. Maybe he'd been helping out, but I'm not sure exactly what capacity. But when they made the decision to go to 8-Man and they didn't have a head coach at the time and several of the seniors, incoming senior class went to Coach Elder and, and, you know, their teacher at the time and asked him had he considered applying for the job and he said no that he hadn't really thought about it and those seniors said we would really like it if you did
1: yeah that's awesome
0: yeah isn't that a really cool story like yes. to know that these kids recognized kind of what he could do for them and their mm-hmm. potential and it's certainly played out on the field now I, I love yeah. that story to know that yeah it's yeah, already that. bought in before they even you know had him named as head coach so yeah Very cool story. Um, I think before we wrap up the eight-man talk, we have to talk about Decatur Lutheran, Leighton Miller. His numbers have Mm -hmm. been ridiculous. He's led Decatur Lutheran this year. And I think when you're talking about the number one seed, he may be the best player in eight-man football this year. The question becomes, are they as deep? Do they have as many weapons as, say, the West Central team does? Mm-hmm. you know so I think that becomes a question but that's an ex- that's an intriguing team to follow as well
1: yeah I just, they, this
0: eight-man division is exciting
1: yeah I don't know that they have the, as good of a defense they haven't been blowing people out the way that that West Central has you know yep. they Decatur Lutheran had that two-point game against Milledgeville that they won um, and then that week nine game against uh, Milford Cisna Park which was 54 to 40 certainly not a close game but they allowed 40 points so um, when you're playing a team like West central and they're going to have openings like that, that's usually not going to spell, you know, uh, a win for you. So really like the heat, um, excited to see how these playoffs do shake out. Cause again, it, it's not to say that Milledgeville or Amboy Polo, whomever couldn't come in on one of these weeks on one of these Fridays or Saturdays and beat them. Cause that's, that's where we are with how, how good and deep, uh, these teams are.
0: Yeah. The, the eight man division has been exciting all year long. I think there's been about five different number one teams Mm -hmm. as we go through week by week. So that makes it exciting. This playoffs are going to get really exciting in eight man, especially once we get into rounds two and three. So Mitch, that wraps it up. I I don't think we have anything more to talk about. If this is, probably by far our longest episode yeah
1: this i think this is it'll when after editing it'll be pretty close to three hours so <laughs> oh, um,
0: gosh.
1: yeah our, our thanks to everyone who will stick around listening to this episode if you do um maybe we can time stamp it for a couple different classes if they want to skip ahead to the 1a or whatever it may be Yeah, we can help know, them out it's it's um it's a credit to the teams that we cover that we have so much talent to talk about it's uh it's job security for us. Um and and again, it's exciting. You know, there there are teams outside of Lena who we could be talking about for multiple weeks. Yep. Um, we we give a lot of credit to Lena for good reason, but there are a lot of teams that looking at these brackets, looking at these matchups that we will uh we know that we'll be talking about in week two, and then could have a favorable matchup there and be talking about them in the quarterfinals. So um again, credit to the, the area that we're in. We're very lucky to be in this area. And uh, excited for playoff football once again. Well, Mitch,
0: Morrison, Marquette made the mm-hmm. best team win. Yep, and I hope you're ready to sing a fight song next week.
1: Keep those dreams alive where <laughs> <Or> they'll
0: exist. <laughs> All right, well, thank you to everyone who listened. Please follow along this week. We will continue to update, um, you know, As the scores roll along on Friday and Saturday, Mm -hmm. we will be active on Twitter, keeping everyone updated on all the scores. We'll maybe, maybe find a chance to do an instant reacts. We'll have to see how schedules work out. Yeah, I mean,
1: like we
0: we said, this this is as good of a week to do it because
1: there's a lot of Friday night games. After this week, there won't be very many Friday night games. That's so true. Could, we st- could we still do an instant reacts on a Saturday? Yeah, but you might be recapping a game that ended six hours prior. Whereas yeah. this Friday, they'll be, they'll be fresh like normal. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll figure something
0: out. Well, maybe we could try to do a Friday night instant reacts this week, and then we'll, uh, we'll move along from there. But thank you to everyone who listens. Thank you to everyone who follows along. It's going to be a great week of high school football and a great month of high school football Yep. and we'll be covering all of it. So Mitch, until next week, we will, uh, we will see you. We'll, uh, we'll talk soon. Sounds good. That'll do it for this week's episode of view from the West. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to go out to Apple podcasts or Podbean and subscribe so you can follow along and downloads will come automatically every week. You can follow along on Twitter at view from West pod. You can also email me if you're interested in being a sponsor. View from westpod at gmail.com. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.